Welcome, everybody, to a very special episode of Tabletop Journeys. Today, we are going to be premiering what we hope is a uh, long-running series of a new type of show. We are getting into the actual play game with a series that we are calling Tabletop Journeys Field Trips. I am joined today not only by my erstwhile co-hosts, Lewanika and Glenn, but also with a handful of our Patreon supporters. We have invited them to come and play with us on this uh, beautiful afternoon, although apparently not beautiful in the UK. The game that we're going to be playing today, uh, we're going to start running through the Candlekeep Mysteries, the book that just came out by Wizards of the Coast. And today we are going to start with the first quest in the book, The Joy of Extra Dimensional Spaces. Everybody in the game today has rolled up first level characters and we're going to play through uh, and there'll probably be some discussion about what the mystery was like and how the game ran uh, at the end. So strap in. I hope that you all enjoy this. I know we have been really looking forward to this uh, since the details came together for this uh, a couple of weeks ago. So let's go ahead and get started. The Today's quest begins with you all in the same carriage on your way to the library at Candlekeep. Uh, you have hopped onto the particular stagecoach uh, on, on your journey there, and you find yourselves all in the same stagecoach. Uh, so I'm going to go around the Zoom, and I'm going to introduce your characters, and then I would like you all to uh, introduce your name, you know, uh, friendly conversation uh, in the carriage, introduce who you are, uh, anything distinctive about the way that you look, uh, and then anybody else, uh, if anybody else wants to join in and uh, ask questions, uh, go right ahead. So I'm going to go ahead and start in the Zoom order that I've got. Sprocket, would you please begin? So as Sprocket climbs into the carriage, you see a small, just under three and a half feet tall gnome. He's just under three and a half feet. He's got a dusky gray complexion. And his hair is a dark blue that's so dark, it's almost black. Um, he's got bushy eyebrows over deep purple eyes, and he wears a short, neat goatee. But both his eyebrows and his facial hair usually look slightly singed, and he often smells of faintly of burnt hair. Uh, he wears studded leather armor with thick bracers covering each forearm. The right bracer has two long copper rods that run down, getting closer together as they come to his wrist. His left bracer has three concentric copper circles like a bullseye in the center of it with arcane symbols connected by uh, a circuit schematic style pattern carved into the leather around it. And most of the studs in his armor are steel, but a line of them are copper that go up his arms and across his shoulders with a flexible copper inlay connecting them so that both bracers can make a complete circuit. Uh, carries a shoulder style satchel instead of a standard pack and it hangs on his left hip. As he climbs in, he looks around at everybody. Oh, he's got goggles on top of his head, too. I forgot this. He looks around at everybody and he says, hmm, Hi, everybody. My name's Flabaxium, Tenderflux, Sprocketopolis, Crimpernip, Wait, Don't, Singe Whiskers, Makel First. But you can just call me Sprocket. Uh, and he climbs in and sits down. Fabulous. Okay. Next in our circuit, uh, Kilvarax. Would you please introduce your character? So when Kilvarax, Tiamanthalus, calls into the carriage, the carriage is going to sag a little bit on its uh, frame because of his weight of entering. He's very large, 6'5", 250 pounds getting in. His bronze uh, skin is tinged red at the edges, and his hair tails are a smoky gray. As he looks around the cabin, he sees everyone that's in there, and in his gravelly voice says, <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry. 
and kind of sits down in a corner and pulls out a book and starts looking through it. He ah, is, you're a tall one. Yes. And you're a short one. Great and obvious. Absolutely fabulous. Kess, would you please introduce your character? So Kess is slight and striking looking. Obsidian skin, white hair, brown eyes, and moves like water. Flowing garments springs up into the carriage and perches on the edge of the seat. Has so much nervous energy. When she is still, she's kind of like a coiled spring, wants to be by the window, and is alert, present, seems hesitant to introduce herself, not sure how others will react to her, but says, hello? Hello. Hi, I'm Sprocket. Yes. Pleasure to meet you. Kess warms up a little bit at the thought that it might be a pleasure to meet her. Corporal Simeon, you are next, please. Why, yes, this must be my carriage. I see. Uh, I, we have other guests here. The young man you see before you looks very young. He is wearing the uniform and the regalia of a soldier within the Cormirian army. He has gold leaf highlighting the areas. It's almost a question whether this is functional armor or uh, dress armor for the sake of ceremony. Anybody who's... Uh, versed in armor will know that it is functional, but it is very pretty and probably never before used in actual combat. He has, that he's carrying, two scimitars. The handles are well-made of elven design. Um, He does have pointed ears, um, but looks more human than elven. His Darker complexion and somewhat curly hair is a bit tousled, but he always has a wears a smile. Hello, well met, traveling companions. My name is Corporal Simeon Peleus Wintermere of the Wintermere family. You may know us by our trinkets and our wares. And he hands out a few small boxes, each with various types of tea. And he hands them to everybody in the in the in the car. It seems my auntie is on one of the other carriages headed to the keep. Thank you very much. I love tea. Pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thanks. Is it customary to bring a gift into a carriage? This is my first carriage ride, I have to admit. I don't want to get it wrong. Should I have brought a gift? Not usually. We Wintermere's think of it more as an advertising expense. Ah, okay. I got it. So I'm with you. Fair. Overachiever. Once we reach our destination, please speak with my auntie. She'll make sure that arrangements can be made so you can have ample supply. If I like tea, speak to your aunt. Tea? Is her name tea? No. Her name is Rosalind. Very well. Rosalind. You you may call her uh, Miss Adarian. Very well. Then I'll have to find out. And he pulls out a little uh, copper kettle and little clicky device that lights a flame and he starts heating up some water right there in the carriage. Yes, it's super special. We'll have to talk more about that. And Illidaz, please introduce yourself. As Illidaz approaches the carriage, he is uh, 6'2", kind of this kind of bright red skin, short kind of black, not very spiral, but kind of working their way around his head, horns, he wears kind of chain armor and pretty much everything that could have a symbol on it has this symbol of a kind of lion's head in like bright gold. I've got an amulet 
It's on the centre of my chest piece. It's on my shield. It's on the hilt of my sword. Pretty much everywhere. As he steps into the carriage, I guess he sees four people gathered around a kettle boiling in the centre of a carriage. Is this customary? I'm new to this thing a little bit. I've never actually rode a... I've been on horseback this whole way here, and this is a new thing, a kettle in a carriage. This is fancy. Is this what we get at Candlekeep? New to me too. Oh, no, we're, we're developing a new tradition. Come on in. You know what? I'm well up for this. I'm Illidaz, by the way, Illidaz Zanderfeld. This looks incredible. And he um, sits down um, at one of the places in the carriage and Red gets, gets like a flask out from his pack, ready to have some tea. Simeon will hand him a small box with tea as well. Yes, uh, is it leaves or have we got... <laughs> I'm trying to think what we've actually got here in the way of tea. It would be leaves. Okay, I guess I'll take a couple of leaves out of the box and pass it around. Oh, no, you have your own individual box. Oh, my, this. Now, this is the height of fancy carriage riding. This is all very new to me. Our new friend brought tea, and I have a pot, so we're going to try it. (laughs) Mine's gunpowder tea. If it wasn't before, it is now. (laughs) With Illidaz stepping on, the five of you find yourself in the uh, passenger cabin of this uh of this carriage uh and you hear the horseman call uh and the carriage begins moving down the road uh so let's go ahead and get started i'm going to go in initiative order uh, and ask you all to roll a d20 uh so kilvrax that would begin with you a d20 roll and 10 fabulous as as the carriage is rolling down the road you find you see something out the window that appears that it was uh, sabotaged in some way or tampered with. Describe to me what it is that you see. Not on the carriage itself, but outside. So outside the window, you're talking about on, not on the carriage itself or something? Not on the carriage itself, but as you pass by something, you find either somebody somebody in the act of tampering with something or, or find something that appears that it has been tampered with or something like that. That sign there. It seems like someone scribbled something else and written something I can't quite make out. Does anyone know what language that is? It says the broken... I, I don't know what those letters are. Yeah, what you, what you see, uh, you see it's, a, it's a sign pointing to the right uh, that says Candlekeep on it. And in badly broken goblin, uh, Candlekeep is crossed out and underneath it uh, is Candlekeep written in all the wrong, the wrong letters. Like, you know, K-N-D-E-L-C-K-I-P with an arrow pointing the other direction. Uh, so it's almost as if like someone has come by and tried to tried to massacre it to go ahead and confuse people, obviously. Uh, and and when, when Kilvrax points that out, uh, you hear the horseman call from the uh, uh, from the front of the carriage. Yeah, don't worry about it. We we know this road well enough, but uh, you know, you gotta goblins are out here are always so pulling Kai, tricks Kai, and, says, and says, that's weird. It's a misdirection sign. It's pointing the wrong way, but only for goblins. Are there many goblins around here? Oh, there are enough nuisances. And the carriage continues trekking on down the road, seemingly in the direction that the sign should have been pointing from the very beginning. Next, Simeon, please. Your d20 roll. Eight. Fabulous. There is... Again, as the carriage is steaming down the road and and something that you have particular expertise with, in fact, uh, something about the foliage in one of the trees or a copse of trees uh, off the road here strikes your attention. What is it that stands out about this particular uh, this particular foliage and why does it catch your attention? It is amazing that this time of the year, 
that there is the color change. Normally, it's quite unseasonable for the scolias tree to actually change its, its color this, this time of year. This is clearly something that foretells a, a strange and cool winter coming. <laughs> you get all that from a tree? Our family does a lot of things, and while tea is our, our brand, so to speak, we are cultivators of nature, by nature. <laughs> uh, and specifically, we have uh, a good deal of knowledge about these things. I was trained about these things when I was... Is it all cultivated for profit? Well, we are the winters. Of course, we have to make sure there's coin in the coffers, thatch on the roof, wood in the fireplace, mutton on the spit, and generally... The, the answer is yes. Fascinating. What was the tree called again? The Scolias tree. Scolias. He pulls out a small metal box about two inches by two inches, taps one side of it, and says, hmm, remember to look up the Scolias tree later, and puts it away. Will the box remind you to do it later? Oh, My yes. Goodness. Of course it will. See, Hello, box. I pull it out, and I tap the <laughs> box, and it says, hmm, remind me to look up the Scolias tree later. In my voice, as though it was a recording, and I put it away. Mm. That could be handy. Does it remember everything you say? That box spoke to him. Oh, no, only a specific short message, six seconds or so. But I use it to keep track of notes. Like names and such? Or like the Scalias tree, indeed, names. Brilliant. Excellent. I wish my channel could speak. Guess you are next. Please roll your d20. Six. We're going lower and lower. Fabulous. As the carriage is rumbling down the road, you see something problematic or scary on the horizon. What is it, and why does it cause you concern? I see a cloud of smoke that suggests something near the horizon, something big, is burning. Do you call it out, or do you keep this observation to yourself? Hey, look! Look at that smoke! I was already peering out the window, and I point everyone else out the window. Look, it looks like there's a fire. A big one. Yes, it does look like a large fire. Hopefully it's not cultivated. Uh, without really saying anything, I think Illidaz is going to like grab his amulet and kind of rub it between his fingers, almost like as a little prayer to anybody who's over there to hope that they're... If anybody who innocent, I guess, is okay, and anybody who isn't innocent is uh, receiving justice. Fabulous. That's a lot in one amulet rub. <laughs> <laughs> Tom can handle it. Tess is now even more on the edge of her seat. Excellent. Illidaz, your d20 roll, please. Okay. Uh, that's a seven. Did we already got those. Uh, we did, but that's okay. I can give you, uh, we'll give you another choice. The team of horses that's pulling the carriage, how many are there? And uh, describe what they look like. So I can see, I guess if I'm peering up the, uh, the side of the carriage, I can see probably two on each side, or I can guess that there's two on each side. So a total of four. Funnily enough, one of the horses that's being drawn by this carriage is my horse that I used to ride all the way here from Westgate, which I kindly, well, was able to buy my passage on this carriage by lending, or I guess selling, my horse to um, the carriage rider. Very strange that a carriage rider would be one horse short, but I didn't think to ask him about that at the time. I just thought if I need to get to Candlekeep now, I best get hand over my horse. I'm not going to need it once I'm there. So yeah, I guess one of the horses is mine, kind of a bright white that's accrued some dirt on its way here, and the rest are kind of a nice chestnut brown. 
Let's see. That's excellent. Well done. Uh, and last but certainly not least, Sprocket, your d20 roll. 12. As the carriage rumbles down the road, an act of God strikes near where you are. Describe what happens. Suddenly, out of a clear blue sky, a giant, huge, the mother of all lightning bolts just randomly shoots out of the sky and hits a huge boulder to the left-hand side of the trailer. And with a loud crack, it splits in half. And Sprocket is immediately on his feet looking out the window, pulls his goggles down to the brightness. Stop the carriage! A horseman stops the carriage. I'll be right back! Kess leaps out onto the roof, poised, waiting to see what's going to happen. Sprocket huddles out there with a little flask and starts taking some samples of the broken rock and climbs back into the carriage. I look at uh, Sprocket as he comes back in. You nearly broke my neck for some rubble. Didn't you see that? That was amazing. Lightning. How much energy do you think was behind that? My friend. Ow. Perhaps slow the carriage next time. (laughs) I didn't. I'm not in control of the brakes. I simply made a request. Talk to the driver. And he sits down and starts scribbling notes while sniffing the little bits of rock. Indeed. Driver, when next we stop, please roll to a slow. Whatever. Whatever. Kess lays down on top of the carriage and sticks her head in and says, you know what was really odd about that lightning strike is there was no cloud. It came from nowhere and slinks back into the cabin fluidly head first. Freak act of God makes it even more fascinating. Kess, as you are crawling your way back through the window, you notice a older gentleman walking somewhat with a cane towards the road, uh, seemingly from near where you saw the fire on the horizon, kind of in that direction. Uh, and the where the where the lightning struck is sort of between you, where you are now and that spot. And so he seems to be kind of moving towards the lightning strike and definitely towards the carriage. And, and he has he has one hand up and he is he is waving waving at the carriage, trying to catch the attention of the carriage driver. Is he close enough for us to talk to him? He's probably fifty feet away at this time, so if you yell you can he would certainly hear you. So yeah. since I see him first, I'll yell, hey, what's going on? Hold on. Stop. Who are you talking to? Don't leave yet. Paul Taylor walks his way across the, uh, across, across the landscape towards the carriage. Wait, wait. Will we go back up onto the roof and suggest to the driver that we, we might want to stay stopped? Oh, what the, oh, oh, uh, yeah, uh, okay. The elderly gentleman with the cane, please, please, is this carriage going to Candle Keep? Are, are you going to the library? Yes. Please, I have need of your services. I, 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 can't, I can't pay you, but I need you to deliver a message to one of the sages in residence there. You're in luck. It, we have a guy whose box can record messages too. Find the sage named Matrius. And tell him his home needs him. Our, our village is, is suffering some some sort of some sort of blight. The the gods have cursed us and we need his help. Can you condense that down to six seconds? <laughs> yeah, I'll remember it. Tell Matrius to come home. We need him. What what's with six seconds? Uh, it was it's a it's a box thing. Okay, listen. I, pro- I, put my, I, put, I put my hand on his shoulder. As Torm is my guide, I will find Matrius for you and your village will be safe. Oh. Thank you. 
We're spouting oaths, are we? Well, I mean, he seems like a nice enough guy. Are you sure (laughs) Torm wasn't involved in the gods? He didn't say which gods. Have him come with haste! Uh, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Sprocket pulls out his little cube, taps it, and says, Scalia's tree. And find Matrius, tell him to go home. Hurry. Puts it away. Good sir, what is your name? My name is Marjoram Clef. He will know, he will know my name. And the name of your village? The name of the village is Rustal. But it is where Matrius is from. He grew up there. He, we need his help. Well, did you get struck by lightning too? More times than we can count, but more than that. Our, our crops are failing and our, our livestock, they, Stand in the fields that they do not eat, they do not drink, and they produce no, they produce no food for us. It has not rained for months, and yet the lightning strikes. Do you know anything about that fire over there? That fire is from our village. Lightning struck there not long ago and is burning down our granary as we speak. But please, go to the library, find the sage. He will be able to help us. We will at once. Are you in need of any aid? We can take care of ourselves for now. It is of urgency that Matrius comes back. I give him a, a, a water skin. Oh. Please, sir, have this, and I give him some blankets. If there are people displaced by this calamity, please um, make sure that they take make use of these things. Oh, Thank you for the comfort you offer. And we have tea. You sound parched. Would you like some tea? The water will be sufficient. Please go with alacrity. Go to the library. Tess looks at Simeon and Sprocket with new respect. Excellent. Driver, please, away. With a call, the carriage driver takes off again down the road. You guys are on the road for probably an hour or so. Uh, when you can see the great library appear on the horizon, uh, the carriage driver pulls to the front gate, dismounts. He thanks Illidaz in particular for, uh, for his, for the horse that he gave to the cause, um, and said that when, uh, when you go to go home again, uh, your horse will be ready for you. Otherwise it will be in the stables here at the library for you. And definitely have a long and overly emotional goodbye with my horse, like looking deep into the eyes and seeing its sorrow. Yes. It's, it's, it's quite tired and this is not duty that it is particularly used to, but, uh, the, one of the stable keeps comes and gives it a, 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 a grain sack, um, over his mouth um and you see uh that he is grateful for food best now my steed for you will see westgate again <sighs> and then i uh move on <laughs> amazing absolutely amazing Still um, a better love story than twilight <laughs> <laughs> you walk through the through the front gate those of you familiar with Candlekeep, uh, or at least out of game uh recognize that there are uh there are several um sort of uniformed uh, NPCs moving, milling about kind of the the central uh, courtyard area um, where there are, there is an inn and there is a tavern and there are several, uh, several small shops that can, uh, that allow you to sell uh, or to, to buy rather um, arcane, uh, arcane trinkets, um, but also uh, goods uh, and ingredients for spells and um and such like that as you sort of uh as you you mill about uh a gentleman walks up to you welcome to candle keep what is your business within the library 
Any of you, don't be shy. My name is Corporal Simeon Pilius Wintermere. Of the Cormirian Wintermeres. Why, yes. We, Excellent. We come, my aunt comes to this town for business. I am on a private mission. I seek entrance into the library so I can begin my studies, so I can be part of a new group within our guard at Cormier. Fabulous. And have you brought something to add to the library's stocks in order uh, in, to pay for your passage? I offer this sacred book among my family and from our people. He extends his hand and takes it. This yeah. book is known as Of Leaf and Flora, a catalog of 100 unique plant and tree species from the Miralan Valley of Cormier. Hmm, indeed. An excellent donation to our library, sir. We appreciate that. Yes, please allow any of your druids and naturalists uh, to know of its arrival. It, uh, if any of these species can be found elsewhere in the world, it could be of great benefit to those areas. Excellent. All right. Next. Who else? Please present your books and state your business. My name is Illidaz Zanderfeld. I have traveled far from the vast to bring you, well, in search of a tome of uh, Torm's Light. Mm. I am trying to find my devotion, find my place in Torm's Light. Um but for now, I have brought this book, uh, Bound and Unbound. It is a foul tome of evil, infernal energy. Um, it has no place in our halls in the uh, Golden Lion in Tantris, but perhaps the library will put it to better use and in safe hands. Absolutely. Thank you very much for your contribution. You're very welcome. I hope that it brings... Uh, fullness to the library. It certainly shall. Next. Hello, Kilvarex Tamenthalus, a scholar from the library of Tamenthar, uh, here researching our species and the origin of, after exhausting all of the resources in our library, reaching out to you for uh, help. I have brought multiple tomes for you, one being nursery rhymes from back in the day before we joined you in Toriel, a census of clan members from before the Toriel merging, and Musings of a Mad Dragonborn Scholar, Volume 1. That sounds amazing. Please, the Mad Musings, if you would, sir. There you are. <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, you with the goggles. Are you sure? My friend here seems slightly shy, and she might prefer to go next as opposed to having the pressure of being last. That's all right. I don't really care. Okay, fair enough. Wolf. Just trying to be polite. My name is Flabaxium Tenderflux Sprocketophilus Crimpernip. Wait, don't cinch whiskers, Michael Fist. You can just call me Sprocket. And I come from the Kells Ridge Monastery in Deeping Dale. It's a monastery of scholars where uh, nearby me and my master, while spelunking some ruins to you know find some new ancient tomes, we came across this book and we don't know what to do with it. So they suggested I bring it here. And he reaches into a satchel and he pulls out a book that's so black that the tips of his fingers almost seem to disappear as though it's sucking in the light from around it. Uh, we, we get a great many books that nobody knows what to do with. Uh, so he reaches his empty hand. So he's, he's carrying the three books kind of in a stack that he's already received on his left hand. He reaches his right hand towards the other book uh, with his hands now full. Um, 
Can I hold these for you? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, Catalyst, come! And another another younger uh, assistant comes scurrying uh, towards the gentleman in front of you. Catalyst, take this book and and bring it bring it to one of the sages. It may have some special filing requirements. Th- thank you, thank you. Uh, and and and. Okay. His name is yes, Sprocket. Yes, Sprocket. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and and last but, but certainly not least, our shy friend. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Pardon me. That was to get me into the keep. But I was wondering, is it possible? What is the application process if I wish to study here? I mean, there's no application process. You provide your book, and you are granted passage for one ten day. Acknowledged. But what if I want to stay longer than a ten day? How do I become part of Candle Keep? This is one of the greatest centers of learning in the world. That's a, a a long and involved process. That uh, that certainly we can I can I can put you in touch with one of the sages who may be able to uh, to uh, judge the merits of your application. Uh, uh, but these sorts of things take take appointments and and, and time. It's it's a uh, it's a long and involved process. However, fair enough. Apologies, Cass. I didn't mean to uh, delay you further. I will make inquiries once I'm inside. I have to apologize. I'm Kess. I'm here to learn. And Kess takes off her pack and pulls out a slim, limp, but quite large-sized volume. Um, it's parchment-bound, so it's sort of like a soft back. And written in hand, writing on its cover, it says, The Forgotten Art. And Kess says, I present to you The Forgotten Art. And hands it to you with a flourish. Fabulous. And which forgotten art is this book on? Kess opens it and shows you that there are large, snow-white parchment pages. So although there's no illumination, there's no gold, the actual pages are very expensive. And on the pages, you see diagrams for the forgotten art of paper folding. Fabulous. You see a way to make throwing stars, boats, boxes boxes a crane and Kess says they're magic but i don't know how to make them work certainly i am sure that somebody can help the furthering of uh of your studies here to t- learn how to take such beautiful creations and make them into their fullest potential thank you for your donation to the library and he puts it into the the stack on his left hand side so what business do you come to to the library for how may we be of assistance? You have all stated uh, uh, that you are doing research of a variety of kinds. Is there is there anything that we can help you with to help you get settled? Well, we really need to find Matrius as quickly as possible. Matrius? Why would you need to find Matrius? A person from his home village has asked us to uh, give him a message. We have sworn to give him a message. Now, oaths are something not to take uh, not to take lightly. I know. Oh, was sworn oath. Just so we're clear, <laughs> I I swore, perhaps on behalf of all of us, if we agree, don't let me don't let me sign you up for the oath if you don't want to be. I can put you off the list of oaths being Sorry. signed for. We shared tea. We shared tea. We can share an oath. We have bonded over tea. Saying I'm not honorable that I don't follow honor. That uh, is specifically not what he said, my friend. I'm quite sure that he was saying it is because you're honorable. He offers the opportunity for you to make an informed decision. Well, I really think we'd better find Matrius quickly. 
I think it's the right thing to do. Fantastic. Fair enough. I can certainly uh, bring you to the room that he has been studying in. That's uh, he is he is a well known sage in the library here, and he uh, he hands the stack of books uh, to another uh, to an a- another acolyte who seems to run up to him as he turns around and takes the stack of books. the The acolyte uh, disappears off into the distance, and he walks off. Uh, and uh, assuming that you all follow him as he begins to walk off. I do. Eldarix will grab his gear off the back of the coach before doing so, his spear and his backpack. All I have is a small pack yep. with a three-section staff yep. strapped to the side of it, and yep. I just put it back on and head off after him. I, I will grab my pack, and I will tie a peace-knotted rope around my sheath and secured scimitars. And I will not I will not wear them. I will carry them, so it's clearly not battle-ready. Yep. Is anybody else carrying bladed weapons outwardly? Kilvarix has his spear. It's difficult to carry inward. Bladed weapons carried inwardly are generally a recipe for a bad time. Um, <laughs> the avowed walking with you will hand you a cloth satchel and ask you to put it over the tip uh, to secure it uh, from accidental stabbings. Accidental? It's never accidental, but very well. Even the more reason to peace bound it, sir. Bucket carries a light hammer. You don't consider about the hammer. Yeah, he's got a, a hand axe too, but that's in his bag. Yep, that's fine. As long as it's in your bag, that's fine. Without asking, um, Illidaz is going to take uh, a cork off one of an empty water skin and put it over like the bladed tip of the shield that he's carrying on his back. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> Absolutely. Fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. The avowed leads you to uh, one of the buildings kind of in, in the courtyard, um, and the, uh, the building has a series of what seem to be um, almost virtual rooms built off of the side of it. Uh, it's, it's, it's sort of very much a, um, uh, a, a, like a TARDIS-type situation where there is more space inside this room uh, than, uh, than it appears from the outside, and it appears that there are se- several uh, small arcane magical rooms kind of extended off that are that are full some of them are full of uh, uh of of books um they have uh other people uh hunched over tables writing scrolls and things like that so they're occupied in in, in well use um and the uh, the gentleman that you are with uh brings you to um to a room with the door closed um and says this is this is where where Matrias, uh was was studying. Uh, let us let us uh, let us see if he's available. Um, and he knocks loudly on the door three times, uh, and the door opens, uh, revealing uh, for the most part an empty room. Uh, there are a couple of bookcases um, with a handful of uh, of books on them, and a table in the middle. Uh, the table in the middle has uh, a book. On it, uh, and the book is open to a page uh, about a third of the way through. And the book, uh, the writing in it is hand, is it's handwritten material. Kiss is going to leap across the room and try to read this page that's open to. The writing on the page is uh, uh, a very uh, florid script um, uh, detailing uh, the the inner workings of uh, some arcane spell. Um, you know, uh, almost like a list of experimentations that were done trying to uh, trying to perfect a, a prismatic spray spell. Trying to go ahead and and perfect how to get it to shape into particular colors or how to get it to channel particular effects. 
and more specifically, how to uh, uh, the 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 way that the treatise is written um, it implies that the wizard writing it seems to think that uh, that the spell uh, that that the, the spell was not um, from necessary was not directly from the, the plane that you're on, but it was being pulled from from other dimensions as it gets channeled. It's a very strange uh, uh, theory around arcane magic that uh, um, that you know uh, uh, that this particular spell would be uh, would be not uh, kind of channeled in the immediate plane, but it was in fact pulling on energies from other planes, and that's what they were investigating. In the margin of the page that you are looking at is another hand, another script. Um, and the, uh, in, in the margin, uh, are the words sanctum curis exists protected through exterior of Rome. And the gentleman that you were with, it says Matrius had been studying, uh, this book from the well-known wizard Fistandia. Uh, Fistandia was, was researching, uh, uh, extra dimensional spaces, uh, oh, within, uh, within, uh, within the library here. And I'd been doing so for, for quite some time. And, and Matrius, uh, was, uh, was trying to, uh, to unlock some of, uh, some of her mysteries. By studying some of her writings, she she's been uh, long gone for centuries now. Um, but she has, Matrias has been studying her writings. Uh, that that margin note there, he, he shouldn't have done that. That's he wrote that. Uh, uh, you know, um, so you're not allowed to amend the books in the library. Well, I mean, it's it's frowned upon. You know, that's you know, that's that's you know, why would why would you write write in a book, especially a book uh, 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 so famous as uh, as as the writings of, of Fistania? I mean, her you know her notes are uh, are are, uh, are valuable. I mean, you know everything. Certainly, if it's your own copy, you should yeah. cluttering it up with notes is absolutely yeah. the way to go. That's how you keep track of things and your new original ideas. But a book that belongs to the to the library being oh that's oh, that's truly now, expensive. So Fistandia has been gone for a long time, but Matrius believed that uh, that she had look. There are there are pocket spaces all over this library. You know, wizards who will who will create a pocket space to go ahead and store their notes and everything like that. He was convinced that Fistandia had created one of these spaces, and that that might lead to clues about where she went, uh, or or because she disappeared under mysterious circumstances. But he was convinced. Uh, that uh, that what she called and this note implies it that what she called her sanctum curis was was here was in was uh, was a a extra dimensional space that she had carved out uh, in in Candlekeep itself uh, but nobody had never been able to figure out what the uh, what the 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 word was that was uh, the, you know the, the kind of the key word to to open it to try to find it uh, with Ke- with that Kess would you please give me an Arcana check uh-huh. <laughs> That would be 22. Fabulous. As he is talking, you're you're looking at the you're looking at the way that the note was written on the page. Um, and you notice something oh. uh, about the way that it is written. There's something strange about it. the way that the way that the language is written, the way that it is it is aligned so clearly on the left hand side. Uh, you feel might be a hint as to uh, what the secret word might. Be. The, this this marginal note has punctuation, and that makes it really interesting. It's three sentences, so there's this hidden place from cares. It exists, 
it is protected. And somehow, through exterior of room, is the directions on how to get there. Hmm. Can I see that? See, there's three sentences. And I shoved the book over towards Brockett. Fascinating. The avowed towering over, uh, over Sprocket looks at it and says, huh. It looks like that. Look at the first letter of each line. It says scepter. As you say scepter on the back wall of the room, sort of a, uh, a blue swirling portal materializes. Oh, that's ominous. As the blue sort of dissipates, uh, shimmering, translucent doors appear in the middle of the room um, and almost immediately begin slowly fading. Uh, it's apparent that they'll they'll disappear in a matter of minutes um, after uh, uh, whether you walk through or not. I suggest we walk through there. We you keep referring to Matrius in the past tense. How long has it been since he was seen last? Uh, we don't. Uh, we don't really keep track on the comings and goings of, of the wizards. He's been, it's been recent. He's not, uh, you know, he's not uh, expired, if that's what you're implying. Simply wondering if he went where Kess is implying that we should go. Illidaz, I think if you're going to hold true to your oath and me to my bond of tea, we may wish to walk through the portal. I suppose this could be the exterior of the room we're about to enter into. If it's well, protected... I think maybe we should try sending something through it before we walk through. I uh, unpiece not my my um, scimitars, and I uh, place the harnesses on over my armor so that they are accessible when necessary. The adventure begins. Sprocket walks up to the doors, pulls out a long tuning fork, mm-hmm. uh, wraps it against a lodestone on the back of his right gauntlet, and as it vibrates, its resonance doesn't make a sound so much as it kind of starts a glowing vibration almost of magic and it kind of waves it around the doors checking them out as it vibrates seems safe an adventure on our first day let's go and he opens the door and goes inside hey sprocket disappears through the doorways i immediately follow same here does anybody not walk through the door grudgingly kilmarox is like (laughs) fabulous Fabulous. So you find yourself in the wooden and uh, brass fixtured uh, foyer of uh, of what looks like a, a mansion of some variety. Kess, uh, you had rolled so successfully on your Arcana check on the on the magical Arcana things that you have studied. You're very aware of a spell um, written by Morgan Caden called Magnificent Mansion, and this seems like a textbook version of a Magnificent Mansion. It is very much an extra-dimensional space, kind of created out of out of nothingness and, and off on its own. Looking out the windows, there is a swirling indigo miasma that hovers pretty much 20 feet from the building uh, um, in uh, as many sides as, as you can see. You can see a very small portion of the exterior of the building um, at this point. And, you know, the floors are, are all hardwood. Um, you know, wood is kind of like this deep, uh, this deep mahogany and uh, the woods, uh, the doors are made of the same uh, sort of wood with like brass fixtures on them. The The ceiling arches probably 15 feet overhead um, and you find yourself in a, uh, a long hallway. Wait for this. There we go. So you find yourself 
at the entryway of a long hallway. And you can see doors stretching on either side and uh, a staircase almost right in front of you. From down the hallway, when the doors behind you close, uh, you hear a, a startled voice. Goes, oh, oh, hello, who goes there? Which you see a middle-aged man uh, wearing gray robes. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, he, he exits one of the rooms, uh, closes the door behind him, and, and walk, walks off to you. Hello, what? How, you found your way in. Uh, Are you mad I am Matrius. We hope we're not intruding uh, too much. We were sent here by a gentleman called Clef. I believe you're familiar. Mm, I know many people by that name. It's from my home village. Majorum Clef? Ah, yes, Majorum, yes. Yes, he and I grew up together. Seemed like a very nice fellow. He, quite lovely. How, how do you know him? He came running up to us when we were on our way here. He says your whole village is in trouble and you have to get there as quick as you can. What? Is there something wrong? Everything's wrong. There's a blight. They keep being struck by lightning. They're on fire. Hmm. Can't grow any crops. Animals won't eat. I think he said something about rain of toads. Well, supposedly he angered the gods. Or they angered the gods. Or you angered the gods. Some of the bad ones, obviously. Not not the good ones, like (laughs) Toad. Right, totally not. Uh, They're always going off about these such things. Uh, Who knows? But if there is is blight in the village, then it is appropriate for me to return home. Uh, However... There is a complication. I have not yet figured out the keyword to reopen the doors and go back. Uh, I've been spending the last period of time here just exploring around, trying to understand what was left in here. I believe this to be uh, a, a, a research space uh, of Fistania. No Makes telling sense. what wonders this mansion holds. Hmm. Yeah. Or dangers. I mean. Who knows? There could, there's always danger, you know. But for example, and he reaches in a in a satchel on his uh, on his pouch and pulls out a a small black statue uh, of an of an imp. It looks like a, like an imp carved out of like a like a black stone. There's something about it, and I haven't quite been able to put my finger on it just yet. I, I need I need additional resources, and was hoping to go ahead and take this back to Candlekeep to go ahead and research it further. How long have you been in here? Oh. Time is a strange construct, little one. I'm really not totally sure. Sometime. I've been been trying keywords to go ahead and get this to open for some time and have not been able to have not been able to figure it out. However, I do have an option. What's that? I would be more than willing to go ahead and go back to uh to the village to go ahead and, and help them, obviously. I mean, they clearly are in need of me. Uh uh I'd like if you wouldn't mind kind of researching in here like the, the, nobody has even known that this space has existed for the gods know how long and so we need to know what's in here uh not only that but i'm not exactly sure uh how to go ahead and get back so i have some magic which would allow me to hold the portal open uh but uh i'm not sure how long the portal would necessarily stay open for so i'm certainly willing to go ahead and 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 do that but just understand that uh well you might be stuck here I'm confident we can find our way back out. Hmm. Oh, absolutely. So you're saying that you could leave now, but we would have to stay. I mean, I will try to hold the portal open for as long as possible. I'm just not sure how long it's necessarily going to... Mysterious mansions are, you know, by their very definition, mysterious. I'm not totally sure how long long it would stay open for. But more importantly, there's a treasure trove of information in this building that needs to be cataloged and researched. 
And certainly, if even even if I am not able to go ahead and pull you back through, Fistania was one of those. No, certainly, if you found out the keyword, you saw the uh, uh, you saw the message that she had scrawled in that book that she was researching. Correct, right? So obviously, she must have. It, it only stands to reason that she has hidden the password to go ahead and get back to Candlekeep in here somewhere near a sage with the cat with with, with Candlekeep the library. Yes. And you went ahead and wrote inside the book. You know that's against the rules. I'm sorry. I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a rule keeper here, and I know that you wrote inside the book, and you're not supposed to. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I would be willing to undertake this quest. I can't speak for my companions, but I would ask, if at all possible, that if I'm able to successfully complete it, that you sponsor me to become a member of the college and the library. I would like to be a sage as well. A perfect trait. I would be more than happy to go ahead and assist you with that you know, small one. Fantastic. We swore an oath to you, Madrius, so we will see it that you're able to be released from this strange, delightful prison. Fabulous. I'm sure there's uh, a lot to be learned here. The main thing I want is for you to get back to your village. I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. So he puts the imp statue back into his satchel and says, let me pass through. I will get the additional energy that I need. Uh, the secret, I believe, is in the book that I left on the table there. If I can open the portal from the other side, then I will do so, so that you get, so that you are not stuck here. Uh, otherwise, best of luck. He begins chanting in front of the doorways there. The doorways, again, take on the same uh, blue hue that the portal that you walked through in uh, the initial room uh, uh, that you found. Kess elbows Sprocket and says, record the chant. Uh, it's much longer than six seconds. <laughs> and I would have to be the one speaking it when I... Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, Sprocket, if you'd like to give me a Arcana check, I can tell you how much of it you're able to know. Fantastic. Eight. Two Eight. plus six. Excellent. Can Kess listen, uh, too, since yeah. she was... It was sure, her idea. absolutely. Yep. Go ahead. Kilvarex is very interested in all the arcane things. Okay. A roll would be fine, then. Kilvarex and Kess? Unfortunately, Kess tripped on something. Banged <laughs> her head and yeah. rolled a six. It's a language that she's not familiar with. Alvarex rolled a nineteen. Excellent. You, you you understand enough about the incantation that he is speaking to know that you do not have the power to cast it. Simeon gives Cass a hand up. Cass looks really grateful and, yeah. and surprised. As you are all uh, uh, fumbling and, and trying to uh, trying to uh, figure out how Matrias is talking. Uh, he walks through the blue uh, miasma, which disappears almost immediately as he walks through, much to your chagrin, except that as the portal is closing, uh, you hear Matrias sh- uh, shriek and the doors of the mansion snap shut uh, where he has walked. So you find yourself in the long hallway. Again, it stretches for about 30 feet in either direction. There are, uh, there's a set of stairs almost directly in front of you. Five doors kind of uh, facing you along this hallway, and then one door at the very end of the hallway off to your right. Guys, this is totally a magnificent mansion spell. Be nice if you stuck around long enough to at least tell us what he'd discovered so far. Yeah. That may not actually have been the best idea. Had he told us what he had discovered, what we would have is his perspective. Therefore, we would be stuck in the same line of thinking that kept him stuck. We have four fresh eyes. Perhaps if your brain is small enough that you struggle with things like compartmentalization, but I would have the ability to keep my opinion and his separate. 
And having that fifth opinion may indeed have illuminated the last piece of information that we require, but we'll never know. So we may as well move forward. Well, Well, we're all a lot more comfortable knowing that your brain is larger than ours and is able to think about things differently. I was not implying anything about your brain. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that. I often misspeak. Um, I was simply stating that my brain is quite expansive. I don't know the state of yours. Perhaps you thought the same way I did. I meant no offense. I think, yeah, Illidus is just kind of uh, chuckling to himself, uh, seeing Sprocket get a little bit uh, exasperated, explaining himself. I am just trying to go by what I learned. You see that new group that I was telling you about? It's an investigative branch within the town guard at Cormier, and they want me to head that up. So I'm here to study and learn methods of investigation. Ah, yes, forensics, very regimented science. So I definitely understand your your need for logical steps. Or what? Hmm? For what? Never mind. He says he uh, enjoys your your uh, endeavor. Oh, yes. I just need to learn how to follow clues and find out who's responsible or what was taken or who took it. So I'm here to study those methods. How fantastically Obsidian. limited. We have six doors and a staircase as clues. Unless we want to start with the floor. I read in a book once, when in a maze, put your hand on the left wall and keep it there as you walk along it, and you will always find your way out. Fabulous plan. Simeon, do you begin walking down the hallway to the left then? Yes. Okay. Um, And quite regimentedly with my hand on the left wall. Yep. (laughs) Simeon begins walking down the hallway to the left, uh, and you get to the end of the hallway and find uh, kind of a squared off wall, but there is a door immediately uh, in front of you as you kind of round the corner uh, off to the left there. Um, Brass fixtures on the door. Do you walk in? Rocket just kind of walks down and stops by the doorway and waits for him. (laughs) (laughs) He very regimented walks the additional five feet past the door along the wall and then back the five feet to the actual door. Um, I do, in fact. Similarly, flows down the hallway so that you don't even notice her moving. And she's in front of the door waiting. As Kilvarex stomps down the hall loudly, I'm assuming. <laughs> Before Kilvarex stops down the hall, he mutters something arcane and touches the wall by the front doors and leaves a uh, mark on there, a glowing rune. Excellent. Which, and then walks down to the, join them. Do, do you know uh, which, which rune do you pick, if you've thought so? The rune that resembles start. Excellent. Yes. Uh, Illidaz is going to stand next to Sprocket <sighs> and kind of reach around and knock on the brass fixtures on the door. Hello, we don't want to come in if there's anything, you know, going on in there, but we just wanted to make sure if you know a way out, you have to tell us because we swore an oath and everything. Like, it's a, it's a real big deal. Uh, there is no answer from inside uh, the... You always know that they're always going to answer if, you, if you've if you swore an oath. <laughs> As Sprocket heard the arcane casting behind him and turns around to see Kilvrax leaving a magical rune on the wall... He sheepishly tucks the chalk he was about to mark beside the door with back into his <laughs> Excellent. Tess is going to send some dancing lights into the room to see if there's any reaction from beyond the door. Uh, well, the, the door is still closed, so do you want, do you want to open the door? I don't think I have to open it to send dancing lights into the room. Fair. That's fair. You do sort of need to understand what the room looks like to know where to place them. Okay, I'm um, going to um, crack the door ajar then. Okay, yep. But not uh, actually go in. 
fabulous. Um, the door, for the most part, is uh, is is dark on the inside. There's there's some um, some torches and things here in the hallway that are illuminating the hallway, um, but uh, opening the door um, that much, the, it's it's somewhat dark on the inside. So. Okay, so I have dim light globes. Yep. They are um, positioned around the room, twenty feet apart. If fabulous. the room's that big, yep. just so we can, so yeah. even those of us who can't see in the dark. Sure. Fabulous. Uh, through the crack in the door, uh, you see tall shelves filled with books um, kind of all along the walls of the room. Two more shelves kind of run through the middle of the room with ten foot with a 10-foot wide aisle between them. Uh, several stacks of books piled high throughout the room. Uh, a couple of small reading desks um, with what seem to be very cozy scarlet chairs uh, kind of spread, uh, spread behind the desk. And there's no reaction to the dancing lights from inside the room. Uh, there is no reaction to the dancing lights. Guys, it just seems to be desks in here and nobody yep. here. Want to come Rock, in? It's peering through the crack right below you. You didn't quite notice that he leaned around. So for, for all intents and purposes, seems like, seems like a library. Simeon will step forward, go to the center of the room, hand on the scabbard, but or hand on the hilt of the sword, but at, leaving the sword sheathed. Yep. As you begin walking through the room, uh, Simeon, I need a dexterity saving throw, please. That's going to be an eight. An eight. Fabulous. Uh, as you are walking through the middle of the room, the bookcase to uh, in, that's in the middle of the room uh, to your right falls over uh, on you, um, and you are uh, and and you are knocked prone. Uh, you are underneath the bookcase right now. There is uh, one of the everybody else that's kind of watching through the room. Now that the door is open wide enough for uh, for Simeon to walk through, uh, one of the stacks of books has uh, you, you clearly saw that it pushed over uh, the the bookcase itself, um, and it is now beginning to kind of float and swirl around the room. So it's a whirlwind of books. It is. It is awesome. uh, it, a swarm, so to speak, <laughs> of, of books. Kill Varex. It's your your move. You are still in the hallway outside the door. Kelvarx is going to snatch his shield off of his his backpack and run in to try to assist Simon uh, okay. by lifting up the bookcase if possible. Fabulous. I need an uh, an athletics check, please. Uh, I have a twenty-two total. Fabulous. Uh, <laughs> you are able to lift the uh, lift the bookcase off uh, with with grace and aplomb, sir. And uh, Simeon is no longer pinned below it. Simeon, it is your turn. I will stand up. Yep. And I will slash uh, my uh, draw and slash my scimitar at the whirling books since they Excellent. obviously attacked me. Excellent. Uh, yeah, clearly, I mean, it's like it is the only thing that is seems to be out of place in this room is this now stack of books that are sort of uh, uh, like this swarm of books that's kind of swirling around you make your attack roll uh 10 it is hard to especially where you're standing up and still kind of disoriented after having the uh the bookcase pushed over on you uh you're a little disoriented you you slice where the the stack of books was um but it is able to move its leaves and and binding um out of its way and you pass through it hitting nothing uh in return it uh it one of its books kind of flies at your head. Uh, you will take uh, seven points of bludgeoning damage. Ouch. 
hefty book. Yep. It was it was a big book. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Think one more one more attack with my second scimitar. Mm-hmm. Eight. Uh, also a miss. Kess. Kess is oh. really concerned about Simeon, and can yeah. see that he's disoriented and and struggling here, and so does a flying cartwheel across to him, spinning the three-section staff, which she has pulled from the side of her pack, which is a very efficient, if you're swinging it two-handed, a very efficient means of blocking a lot of things at once while striking them. So I'm trying to mess with this stack of books, scatter it everywhere. Fabulous. Ha, the dice are against us. Um, so <laughs> that would be a 10 to hit. Your, your flourish with your three-section staff looks fabulous. Uh, and passes through this swarm of books, hitting nothing. Luckily, I have a bonus action. I take it away. Yeah, so I'm going to do a side snap kick right up there at the books. Love it. I am. I'm kicking them. I want to mess them up again. Uh, a little better. Okay, so that would be a dirty 20, and that would be uh, 9 damage. Fabulous. Excellent. Uh, so as you your staff move, uh, you know, misses, but then your kick follows up, and a whole swath of books uh, kind of get taken out of the sto- uh, of the swarm. It's somewhat smaller, and they uh, they crash against the wall uh, off on the left-hand side there. Fed- what hurt the books? Illidaz, your turn. Um, so I have a question about the book that flew and hit Simeon. Uh, what it's- happened to it after it flew out and hit him? It, it rejoined the swarm. Right, okay. And so how about uh, the ones against the wall? Are they rejoining, or are they just lying there? They're just lying there. Okay, uh, I'm going to pull my shield off my back, and I guess as an object interaction, I'm going to pull the cork off the edge of it with my teeth. Yep. Perfect. Um, and before drawing my sword, I'm going to run and try and get in front of... I'll try and cover everyone as I can with, like, part of my body, part of my shield. Yep. And I'm going to reach back with my right hand, I've got my shield on my left, and lay on hands Simeon for 5 HP. I guess, I don't know if you would, like, obviously my action is casting lay on hands. I kind of put one of my feet on, like, to stop any of the books that have kind of flown off, just in case they might rejoin at some point later. Sure. And I, I, his eyes are kind of darting wildly at the swarm of books, looking to see if there's any of them that have, like, vital organ yeah. on, like, the spines, <laughs> just to see yeah. if he can find any weakness in, like, this swarm. Fabulous, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're kind of, they've flown off to, like, the left-hand side here of the room, um, mm-hmm. and they seem to be laying there uh, motionless, like books are prone to do, so. Okay. <laughs> prone. Next. Uh, 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 Sprocket. Sprocket would like to make an arcana check, trying to determine if this is some form of a spirit entity in the room, or if it seems more like a magical defense that we triggered by entering it, and if so, if you can determine a way to shut it off. So it it definitely seems to be... Um, so you you don't think that you triggered it. It seemed like it was something that was already in the room. It seems less like a defense mechanism and more just uh, um, some sort of construct that was in the room. Brockett moves forward and tries to catch books and remove them from the swarm. We'll even call it a diving tackle through the books, trying to pull yep. as many of them out of the swarm as possible. Fabulous. 14, 14, you are able to get, get your hand on, a, on, on some of the books. Um, roll a, a d4 plus your strength for damage, please. Two. Okay, we are back at the top of the round then. Kilvarix. Right. Since Kilvarix has no compunction against saving books despite his background, <laughs> Don't hurt the books! Open his mouth, and you see a little fire come out of his mouth into his hand, and he hurls it with a firebolt into the cloud of books. Awesome. Fabulous. Uh, 14. 
Fabulous. That hits. Ten. Excellent. Many books start kind of shuffling off this thing, but there's still kind of uh, four or five that are swirling around each other with greater uh, uh, alacrity or greater kind of agitation. So, uh, Simeon. I am going to attack again. Yes. First scimitar. Fourteen. The swarm has a hit point left, so please describe what happens as you vanquish this uh, this construct stack of books. I slash with my scimitar from uh, top right down to the left, cutting the book that hit me in the head. And on its pages, I spit at it and say, that's the last chapter I'm reading from you. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Very the, nice. Uh, the the whirlwind of books sort of uh, falls apart, and now uh, the books are are scattered uh, across the floor. Well done, well done. Sprocket begins scrambling after any damaged volumes. Yep. <laughs> pulling out a small oil can and spraying them with a with a light yellow foam that disintegrates and mends them. So I know in particular, uh, you were over by the the books that had had been thrown off when Cass uh, kicked through the through the stack. Um, uh, give me an investigation check, please. Two plus six is eight. I can't seem to get past those eight. twos and one. Excellent. Sprocket is over there kind of fumbling around with the books on the on the floor. On the table in the corner there, in that reading desk, um, off to the upper left-hand side there, there is a, a closed book with a picture of Morden Kanan on the cover. Kess is going to leap over there and look at it. In fact, Kess, you also remember that the book that was in the room where Matrias had been studying, the uh, the book was called uh, The Joy of Extra-Dimensional Spaces, and it also had a picture of Morden Kanan on the cover. On the book that you find in the corner there, however, uh, so there's the picture of Morden Kanan on the front, the only other thing on the book uh, is on the spine, you find the letter R. Hey guys, this one seems to have a shelf mark. Why does it say R on it? Be a part of our key phrase to get out of here. By the way, I'm also trying to bandage um, Simeon's head right now. <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's yep. like seeing like the, the bruise uh, where the book came. <laughs> Which is just amazing. It's... Yeah, if you feel the need to fall asleep, okay, uh, you need to tell me, right? You could, you could have a concussion. Okay, look at how many fingers am I holding up? I don't think I need to sleep. But I do appreciate the bandage. Um, it's a little tender, right, right here. Like, like, will it scar? Well, uh, it's hard to say right now. We'll see how it develops. I may need to prescribe you. Guys, I think I found an important clue. Tell us about this clue. A book over here with the same portrait with Morden Kanan on the front, and on the spine, there's an R. So we should look for more books with Morden Kanan. Maybe we should look inside this one. Okay. Looking up from the books he's mending, Sprocket goes, that definitely does seem like a pattern. Uh, as you flip through the book, um, there are probably three or 400 pages, so it's fairly fairly lengthy. Pages are all empty. Any marginalia? No, there's no writing on any of the pages. I mean, he was barely able to finish the title, so how do we expect there to be anything inside the book? <laughs> <laughs> I think if there's this many pages, there's probably something written in here that I can't read. That makes sense. I'm going to look at the book, the, at least the half of the book I'm standing on, because as I walked anywhere, I was dragging it under my foot. I'm very mad at this book. <laughs> the, 
the, the book that hits you across the head, right? Yes. I'm yes. cross with this book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to look to make sure there's no picture of Morton Caden on it. Uh, Rocket um, rushes up. What are you doing? Give me that. On the book under your foot, it seems like a regular book. It is, um, it is a book about... Uh, about increasing uh, throne weapon style is open to a chapter um, about learning to throw um, somewhat rectangular blocks, and it has an illustration of a of a knight on it. Looks like a looks like a book is hitting him in the head. So essentially, the gods have had it out for me since the writing of this book at some point in the distant past. Excellent. <laughs> so it was said, and so it is written. And I <laughs> kicked the book away from me in disgust. That could come in useful, you know. Rocket cleans it up and shelves it. Maybe we should look for more of these types of books on these shelves. Any other single letter books, more than kind of books, and see if we can collect a pile. Mm-hmm. Large scaly one seems wise. Uh, you guys are sure that there are no other books in this room. Um, Kess still seems to be checking, though. No, no, I see lots of books. <laughs> well, you see lots of books, but none of them with Morden Canaan on the cover and uh, and single letters on the on the spine. I think we're good, my friend. As you are looking around, also, you see that there is another door off uh, in the left-hand wall uh, in in the library here. So <laughs> there is the door that you came through and another doorway off to the left. In, in all the hubbub, you hadn't seen it at first. It's always polite to knock. Yeah. Because knocking worked so good last time. <laughs> the, the books didn't know how to say, yes, we're in here and we're a swirling swarm of books. So maybe that was the issue. And, and we don't mind lights, but we do mind people. Yeah, maybe if we say something like, if you're a swirling swarm of books, please swirl and swarm, knock back on the door twice. If not, swirl and swarm, knock back on the door once. <laughs> you're daft. Hey, Kill, can you do your rune thing on the door we came through? Yeah, but not too much. Depends on how many rooms we go into. I would like to keep it to just major items. Rocket brightens up and pulls his chalk back out. <laughs> <laughs> His chalk becomes and, and if we think we're going to be around for longer than an hour, it's not useful anyway. Nothing beats an analog solution to a technical problem. <laughs> so did it did did the door respond to the knock? Oh yes, yeah. Sorry, I knock on the on the door on the left. There, there is there is no response from the door. Can I send my dancing lights through first? You certainly could. As you crack the door, um, the, the blue light from kind of the miasma that's outside this mansion uh, very much floods the room. It's a, The walls are made of a uh, like a tempered glass, um, and you can see the blue light kind of shining on polished gray flagstones below it. Ooh. Pretty. Other than being a beautiful room to watch the miasma through, there doesn't seem to be much of any interest in it. Yeah, my lights aren't much use up there. It's too bright. Yep. I put my hand through. Your hand is in the room, still attached to your arm. I was brave. <laughs> Watch out. I think I see some books out there. <laughs> <laughs> I fear not the book. Rocket chuckles. <laughs> All right. I guess uh, okay. I'll, I'll close the door. Okay. You're not going to walk around touching the left? That's enough in this room, thank you. Close the door. Well, it's all our knowledge. Whilst we're still in the kind of library room, um, I'm going to cast a Divine Sense on the book with Monkine on it. Okay. Uh, do I get any feeling of anything at all from it as I kind of wave my hand and it shimmers with gold light over it? it, it, it and it is a real book. It's not like a... Um, 
It's not like an arcane construct or anything like that. It is a real tangible, honest to goodness. It's not a great read though. Yeah, just really boring. It's, you know. Mm-hmm. During my investigation, was there any book that might lend itself towards my study of investigation in general? Yes. You find a book written by a foremost city guardsman from uh, from a town not where you live, but that uh, investigated the uh, uh, the unfortunate murder of uh, of one of the city's nobles. Um, the book seems quite old. I'm gonna take it and add it to my to to my gear. Fails. Okay. So Kess sees another book out on a desk and wants to quickly check that out before we leave. It is a book on the attack and parry positions for wielders of staves and daggers. Uh, there is a uh, a jeweled letter opener on that table also. Oh, even though I already have them all memorized, I stick exactly. it in my pack in case it might be useful later. Absolutely, yeah. Rocket oh, would sorry. love to go through all of the bookshelves, but he knows we probably don't have time. Yep. <laughs> Are we taking this book with us? Absolutely, we should. So who's carrying the book? I can tuck it in my satchel if you'd like. How heavy is it? It's got 300 pages. Yeah. No heavier than your standard George R.R. R. Martin novel. I mean, that's... <laughs> Don't get me wrong. If we start collecting a number of these, I'm sure we'll have to spread them out. But right now, I only have two. That book and then one about a stick that he brought with him. I assume we're going into the next room. Uh, yeah. That's definitely is, yeah. That is my plan. I'll take the lead. So Again, you hand, on your left hand on the wall. Yep. All right. Left Left hand on the wall. Fabulous. Yep. When he gets okay. to the door, Kilvaric's going to say, stop. And he walks back around to see if his mark is still there on the, uh, on the by the. Uh, it demon. is in, It is indeed. He is going to touch it and refresh it. Okay. Uh, and so you find yourselves now at the, uh, so you are in front of the next door with Simeon in the front. Simeon, are you going in first again? Yes. Simeon, you have to ask shoulder. if there's any books <laughs> Touch him on the shoulder and grab my circular of multicolors underneath my shirt and say, I'll guide you and cast guidance on him. Fabulous. Excellent. I will enter the room. Swing the door open. Uh, this room contains a battered wooden, wooden mannequin and a weapon rack holding staves and daggers, uh, all lit by indigo tinted light streaming through a window uh, on the far side of the room. Uh, the floor is stained and scorched, uh, and at the far end of the room, a broom hovers in the air, sweeping the floor by itself. Hello there. Do you have use of a dustpan? The broom does not acknowledge you. The objects in this room are sharper if they start flying around. Is there any more books? There are no books in this room. Just the uh, just the weapon rack off on the left there, and the broom start seemingly sweeping. And you said there was a mannequin as well, right? Uh, sorry, yes, the, there is a mannequin, a battered wooden mannequin. It looked like it's uh, a mannequin where armor would be at rest, or is it more of a practice, like a practice dummy type? Definitely a practice dummy. Yep. Uh, the, the, yeah, the mannequin has numerous cuts and chips uh, taken out of it. Okay, he's going to pull his shield out, and with Simeon's. Uh, consent is going to enter the room and approach very slowly with a shield up. It looks safe. Ish. Yep. Mannequin is not responding. And the the broom is continuing to sweep. 
I'm trying to peer through the window as I'm kind of approaching. Can I see anything through it? Uh, only that uh, this is an exterior window and that uh, you're, the, the blue miasma that encircles the entire building uh, is about 20 feet away through the outside. Okay. If there's no books and no other items, I say we move on. I'm just going to look at the weapons. Do any of the weapons look like any other objects we've come across, like uh, in any of the in either the book from the original room or that we've seen so far? Does like does it look like it matches something Morton Caden may have been holding? Anything like that? Um, so they're they're mundane but finely made. Um, there's really nothing particularly extraordinary about them. Uh, it's a handful of daggers, some quarter staffs, and twenty or so darts in a bandolier. Does it look like any of them are missing? Like a space where one would be, but it's gone now. Nope. Okay. You also along kind of the walls of the room, uh, and Cass, you would see, you would notice these uh, from the book that you picked up in the other room. Uh, there's similarity there. Um, there are diagrams from the book that you were uh, that you picked up um, of like again attack and parry positions, um, kind of like plastered on the walls. I think we can move on to the next room. Rocket with a curious expression on his face. Gets kind of close to the broom, but not too close. You know, trying to make sure he's out of whacking distance. Okay. And with a quizzical look, crumbles some of the dried tea leaves onto the floor in front of him and then takes a step back to see what the broom will do. The broom sort of uh, systematically and uh, Roomba-like moves to the dried leaves on the floor and and picks them up like like normal. Fascinating. Just a question. Is it like sweeping them towards a spot or as it sweeps, are things disappearing? Because I didn't see a dustpan. Yep. The um, the broom is it's sweeping everything sort of into uh, like the far corner of the room, like the upper right hand corner of the room uh, on mm. the kitchen. Got to go check out that spot and see what yeah. else may have been collected there. In order to see if there's anything over there, keys or odd trinkets that may be of use. Give me an investigation roll, both of Sprocket's still studying the broom. He does note that Simeon is going over to check because, you know, that made good sense. He's saying, mm-hmm. maybe, he, maybe he is a little bit smarter than I thought yep. he was. So that's going to be a 12? <laughs> uh, you don't find anything extraordinary. It's mostly okay. just, just dirt and, like, chipped wood and, uh, you know, some, uh, some screws from the mannequin kind of thing or nails and that kind of thing. Um, Sprocket, you're continuing to, to investigate the broom? Correct. Uh, and I, I've realized, obviously, it's some kind of magical enchantment. But, you know, while the party's still in the room and just kind of until we actually are leaving, he's just checking it out, mm-hmm. scribbling notes about it and theories about the okay. enchantment that's making it work. And How intently are you studying the broom? I do not like, attempt to grab it at first. After a while, when he's exhausted all ability, <laughs> if the party stays in the room long enough, when he's exhausted all ability to examine it, vi- examine it visually, because that's what's able to keep his fingers in check, then he'd probably wind up having to grab it to try to study it more closely. Fabulous. So I guess it depends on how long we're here. All right, Kilvarix, you had said that you wanted to leave the room. Give me a persuasion check, please. (laughs) And if you uh, roll higher than Sprocket's intelligence, then you are able to convince him to drop his studies and leave the room. 18. Sprocket? Uh, you're looking for an intelligence check or just, just my intelligence? Just what's, it is 18 higher than your intelligence number? Negative. Okay. My intelligence um, is a 19. Fabulous. Then as you go to grab the broom, uh, the broom pivots so that it's 
uh, feathers are up. He reaches out and attacks you. Does a fifteen? It does. Fabulous. It whacks Fabulous you. for the broom. It whacks you upside the head, and you take four points of bludgeoning damage. Wow, that was rude. That broom doesn't even hit like a book. Guess <laughs> <laughs> wants to swing into action with staff, like lightning reaction to the to the attack I, by the broom. I assume we're in initiative now. We are back in initiative. Um, Kilvarix, uh, you told Sprocket to stop what he was doing. You w- walked towards the door. He d- and then all you hear him say as the broom has clearly hit him in the head. What would you like to do? So, grumbling under his breath, for the love of all that is holy. <laughs> and he goes going to do his, breathe the fire into his hand and throw it at that damn broom. Okay. All right. You throw fire at the broom. Nat 20. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So, uh, please describe how you dispatch the broom with a lightning. So, with the firebolt of dragon fire as it hits it, it immolates the whole broom where you see it as a bright silhouette and then just ash falls to the floor. When the flame erupts in front of him, Sprocket immediately raises his left hand as though something's going to protect him, but nothing happens. <laughs> Definitely, Illidus is going to try and jump in the way of any splinters that are flying off this broom. Yeah, if- no, that, that's it is it is fully ashed with a Kilvarix's uh, uh, perfectly timed. It hit the it hit the head of the broom just right. Is whoosh, hmm. uh, just, yeah. that escalated quickly? And he turns. As he's walking back across the room. Simeon reaches down, picks up a handful of the ash, mm-hmm. and he walks over to Sprocket. My friend, I believe if you have a container, you can have some of the remnants of this device. The broom was just a broom. It's the enchantment that I was curious about. But thank you very much. And he takes a small pouch and puts it in there. <laughs> and then he... <laughs> That's Once Simeon is no longer paying attention, he dumps the pouch back out and tucks it away. continue down the hallway yes and on the wall towards the next room before we get to the door i'm going to refresh that that mark again rocket doesn't try to uh rush past simeon ahead of him or anything anymore to get ahead of him to the doors (laughs) obviously going to instead he just trails along behind him chuckling occasionally as you walk up to this door, um, the door is uh, already somewhat ajar. It's not closed like the other doors have been. Do you open the door further to investigate what's in it? Definitely. Uh, both scimitars drawn. I'm going to push the door with my left foot. And once I'm in, I'm going to move immediately to the, um, to the diagonal. So I'm in the um, right corner, the right-hand lower corner. Okay. And occupy that space and be at cool. the ready. All right. So the entire fall, far wall of this room is a floor-to-ceiling bookshelf. Uh, even more books are resting on several large scarlet armchairs uh, and small wooden tables. Uh, there are several paintings on the walls. A uh, fluffy black cat is curled up on one of the chairs. And when you enter the room, uh, the cat sits up. Uh, sits up rather and meows plaintively and walks over to you and uh, nudges, rubs up against your left leg. Would you give me, um, uh, uh, give me an animal, an animal handling check, please? Uh, certainly. certainly, that's going to be an eighteen. An eighteen, fabulous, great. Do you like reach down and pet it or anything like that? Or um, it, it seems a, to like you. I take a little of the tea, which has a uh, catnip-like uh, scent to it, <laughs> and. Um, I rub a little on, get a little of the oils on my 
glove and allow the cat to uh, sniff it. Amazing. Fabulous. Excellent. Yeah, it, it's, it is now your friend. As it kind of like, so it starts to rub its face on your hand as it does that. Um, and if you pull your hand away, um, it will actually jump up on the table that is directly in front of you and uh, begin poking around the satchel that you took the tea out of. Hello there. And I'll... It's I'll, purring loudly now. Tossing its hair and patting it. Yep. And take a little more out for him. It's just a <laughs> cat. Whilst Simeon is playing with his cat, um, Illidaz wants to check out these paintings on the wall. Cool. Um, so there are three paintings hanging on the walls. Uh, one of them is a landscape with uh, a large green dragon. Em- uh, gr- sorry, a large green dragon emerging from a grove of pine trees. Uh, the second one is a study of Pegasus uh, of a Pegasus in flight, and the third one is a portrait of a unicorn in a wooded glade. So all kind of mythical creatures, or at least magical creatures. So Varks is going to start looking at the bookshelf for a Mordenkainen book or a single letter spine book. Yep. Which was cool. the first one? Dragon. Green dragon. Where was he? Emerging from pine trees. Rocket is going to wander about the room doing a general observ- observation yep. investigation to see if anything in particular piques his curiosity or makes his cool. ears twitch. Hold on to that thought for just a second, Sprocket. So, Kilvarix, uh, you're looking through the bookcase. Uh, give me a investigation check, please. Uh, 16. Fabulous. You indeed find a book with a single letter on the spine. It is the letter I, and when hmm. you pull it off of the bookcase, there is indeed a picture of Morden Kanan on the cover. I found another one. I. Excellent. I think maybe there's more of these that must be combined. Seems quite the riddle, doesn't it? That's the yeah. passphrase is just re. <laughs> <laughs> I think Illidaz like listens out to see if anything happens as he says it. What I was the, the password to get in again? Scepter. 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 No eye and scepter. So Kess is looking around at the books on the chairs. Uh, so Sprocket, uh, you were looking through the bookcase for anything that was interesting? I was wandering the room seeing if anything in particular captured my eye and attracted my attention or made my ears twitch. Okay. Um, so the one thing that you note uh, in the room here as you're looking around, and Cass, you'll notice this also because you're looking more at like the books that are like on the chairs and the, and the, the tables that are in the room, right, more <laughs> specifically. Um, the one thing you notice is that almost all the books in the room are attributed to Fistandia. And Fistandia, if you'll remember, was the mage that, or the, the wizard that um, that Matrius was researching, and that this in theory is created this castle. Bingo, exactly. Yep. Um, so that so is when you say the, attributed to, as in like she contributed as an author or co-author, as in or she wrote the, as to? she wrote most of the books. Exactly. Yep. Gotcha. Except um, Morgan Cannon's book, obviously. Yep. Uh, exactly. Right. Uh, that. Um, one of them is a autobiography. Fistandia was a powerful mage as a priest of Mistra, uh, and she was a frequent uh, contributor and uh, researcher at Candlekeep. In in the autobiography, she goes on to say that Mistra granted her a permanent extra-dimensional mansion for her to reside in when studying at Candlekeep. 
Um, and two and two being put together, you suspect that that is where you are now. And also comments that, uh, fearful that a guest might become trapped in the mansion, Fistandia hid the command word to open the portal to Candlekeep on the spines of seven books throughout her mansions. Mm. Okay, well, I'll relay this to the to the rest of the party to say that, yep. yes, indeed, we did figure out that it's a riddle. And this time he says, R-I-D, riddle, nothing, no, still, jeez. And he moves on. Um, what was your investigation check, actually, Spark? Be- before we move on, Simeon, what was your investigation check earlier? 13. Cass, would you also give me an investigation check, please? That would be a dirty 20. So remember when I said that when you were looking around the room, almost all the books were written by Fistandia. There is a book on the bookcase that is written by the 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 name on the spine is D period green and the name of the book is uh, realms and habitats of unicorns and pegasi and it is on the bottom shelf on the left hand side i'm going to pull it out you're going to pull it out As you pull the book out of the wall, a secret door behind the bookcase opens. You see a passageway behind it. Hey. Oh, my. Passageway. Who's Uh, coming with me? I'll I'll definitely go. On the way out, can I look at those pictures uh, on the wall? Yes. You said there was a green dragon from the pine trees. What was the unicorn against? The Backyard? unicorn is it was a portrait of a unicorn in a wooded glade. And the Pegasus? Uh it was just a study of a Pegasus in flight. Last question about those. Were they by the same artist? They're unattributed. As Simeon is looking yep. at these paintings, I'm gonna stand next to him and be like, it's pretty obvious. It's you know, the progression of animals. Horse with horn, horse with wings, and then very big horse with wings. <laughs> I think uh, you have something there. I'm okay. just wondering about this cat and if it's one of these three creatures changed somehow. As you are wandering around the room, if you move away from the table where the cat is pawing at your satchel, uh, the cat will hop up on your shoulder. I'll let it stay there. It didn't really give you, it didn't really ask. <laughs> yeah, he didn't ask and I didn't bite it off. Is the cat coming? Is the cat coming? Apparently. And I'm going to walk into the secret room. Okay. Uh, you walk into the secret room and you see a flight of stairs descending down. I guess we're headed down. Um, as if you turn to go down the stairs, the cat will hop off of your shoulder. Uh, it will meow plaintively at you. Um, your animal handling suggests uh, it wants food, um, but it will not follow you down the stairs. I will hand it uh, a bit of dried ration. Um, I have some dried herring. Excellent. Oh, excellent. That's excellent. Half a kitty. Yes, very much so. Okay. I'll pat it on the head and then I will head down the stairs. Okay. Is anybody not going down the stairs? Can we see what's at the bottom of the stairs? Like from the top, can we actually see what's in there? Like when we, as we look down? Uh, there's a door down at the bottom of the stairs and a passageway that goes off to the right. Does it seem well lit or is it dark? It, it is, there are torches. It seems lit well enough, but you're definitely going subterranean. What's dark? Before we go into the bowels, should we not find more of these books here first? What's to say the books aren't down here? Will this passage stay open? 
Uh, if you want to give me an investigation check to see if you can figure out the mechanism, that would be fine. Uh, Sprocket, are you doing Sprocket that? Sprocket will happily tinker with the mechanism to try to determine whether or not the door yeah. will close or if it could be jammed Sprocket, open. your investigation check then would be at advantage, please. 19 is the higher one. That would be a five, so I'm glad okay. that Sprocket yep. investigated. Yep. <laughs> um, Cass, you're really not sure. Um, Sprocket pulls out little tinker tools, and it's not yep. quite lockpicks, but you know yep. it's close. Um, you, you find nothing to suggest that the, um, the passageway is going to close on its own. In fact, investigating the mechanism where the book was taken out, it's definitely a two-way switch so that when the book is put back in, the passageway will close. But while the book is removed, it'll stay open. We'll take the book with us. I'm game for finishing this level first. Yeah, I'll head down as well. I'm already waiting at the bottom. His hand's on the left wall. He can't turn around until we get to the point where it turns us around. Then he starts jumping down the stairs. Uh, I pop a squat and say to the cat, listen, if for any reason we get stuck in here, it's on you to help us out, okay? Give me an animal handling check, please. That's on that one. <laughs> uh, roll fetch. me a d6, please. Three. Okay, fabulous. So we didn't match, which means the very bad thing doesn't happen. Um, however, uh, the cat, with surprise, uh, scratches at your face, and you take two points of damage. I don't. I don't take it personally. This cat lives in. I'm in the cat space, and you know this. This could be just how it responds to intruders. Yep. does. you seem like a perfectly nice guy, but uh, the cat does not care for you. But yeah, I guess I'll follow Simeon down. If everyone else is going, Kilvarix will grumble something ineligible in his <laughs> breath and follow them, tromping down, making as much noise as possible <laughs> to show that he is not happy with this. Fabulous. Uh, and right, will follow very silently. So down at the bottom of the stairs, uh, there is a passageway that turns to the right and a door in front of you. Following our left wall rule, we have to open this door. Yeah, the door is. in the front, so uh, you open the door to reveal another hallway. Well, this is useful. Staying with the left theory, going to walk all the way down. And in theory, that should bring me back to the door unless it's a door on the far side. So there, there's, a, there's another door on the far side of this little, of this. Uh, so it's like a 15-foot hallway. Uh, there's a, a door to the right and a door uh, directly at the end. Going to the door on the other end. Smells of alcohol and brine permeate this room. Glass, glass vessels, large and small, stand in rows on the floor and tables, ranging from one foot to six feet tall. Inside each vessel is the body of a creature floating in clear liquid. One four-foot-tall container is missing its lid and has no occupant. Brother, does it look like it could fit a cat inside it? <laughs> uh, it certainly could fit a cat. It's about four feet tall. It's big enough oh. to fit me inside it. Yeah, let's not say that out loud again. <laughs> Why don't we just close this door and move on? <laughs> let's just make sure there's no books hidden in here. Uh, give me an investigation check, Jimmy. Lovarx is going to stay by the door while they go rummaging around in the weird room. <laughs> yep. For going in, Sprocket has to go in and look around, too. I mean, it's curious. It's going to be a 10. Noting the empty container, Sprocket does come in with his light hammer out and in his hand. How closely are you investigating in, in this room, Simeon? Are you are you like looking at all the jars, or are you just kind of like doing a real like good look around from a distance to see if there are any books? I won't touch anything. But yep. if something needs to be moved for me to gain access, and it looks like a book-sized thing could be in that space, I would definitely move something to the door. Yeah, no, there don't seem to be any books. It's basically tables and all these jars. And I'm going to take note of the types of creatures that are in these things and yep. 
specifically trying to make sure they're not watching me. Um, how closely are you investigating the one that is empty with the lid off? I'm going to look above it and around it to see if there's any liquid on the floor. How close do you get to it? <laughs> I'm probably going to be about a foot, two feet away. As you near it, the liquid inside uh, starts to, it gets like, like turbulent a little bit. I'm back and- up. Uh, this odd monstrosity of four hands joined together in strange angles jumps out of the water at you. Seriously? Face huggers? Does a, does a nine hit your AC? It most certainly does not. Okay, cool. So then uh, it, it um, so you, you successfully dodge it. Um, and it, it lands on the floor in front of you uh, and and starts to scurry around a little bit. Um, I will give I will give you the first round of action since you are the only one that was investigating the room this closely. Yeah, I'm gonna go for the uh, the double hit on that. Yep. <laughs> okay. Whack it. First hit is rolled seven. You swing your scimitar down, um, and it it scurries out of the way, and you hit the you hit the stone, and it sparks up. Um, and it, it runs underneath, it runs uh, behind the jars in the upper right-hand corner. My second hit was a 16. As it starts to run away then, uh, roll your damage, please. Five. Fabulous. Um, as you swing down on it, you cleave it in twain, um, and both sides of the hand abomination um, kind of flop to the ground, uh, and they start oozing this black Icarus material. I'm going to step away from that. I think we're done with this room. <laughs> I suggest we move on. Okay. Don't no, you agree with me? That's back up the stairs, right? No, one. we got another room. I have a feeling that Simeon's going to want us to check out the one on the left. Are you closing <laughs> the door to this room behind you? Yes. Oh, yes. Softly. Air so softly. Does it lock? It, it latches, yep. No problem. Yep. And before he goes in this time, once again, Kilvaris will put his hand on shoulder and say, Io, protect you from yourself. <laughs> and cast guidance on him. <laughs> noble aim. The dark stone-walled room contains only a few objects. Uh, there is a five-foot diameter circle of intricate runes covering the floor. There's an empty wooden book stand opposite the door and bronze braziers at the other three cardinal points of the circle. Whatever material they contained has long ago burned to cinders, but the room still smells of charcoal and sulfur. Uh, sitting next to the bookstand is a uh, is a warty toad that rivets as you open the door. Sulfur, huh? I'm going to stay outside of the circle. Simeon, I was going to suggest that. Rocket would want to study those runes, though, without crossing the circle either. Okay. Point towards the frog. While keeping a wary eye on the frog. With this, with my scimitar, like I'm gonna point it out. So Hail, frog! <laughs> <laughs> it ribbits at you, it does. Okay, well, already I've got a better track with this animal than with the cat upstairs. <laughs> Sprocket, you are you are investigating uh, the the circle of the runes. Um, anybody else investigating the runes? Please give me an arcana check. Twenty four. And Kilvarak see them from the door, or does he have to go in? Uh, you can see them from the doorway. Yep. He will look at them from the doorway, but he is not entering the room because there's no books. Yep. 30, 20. It is clear that this is a protection circle. To hold something inside of it or to keep something out of it. 
Mm, that's a really great question. So more than just sort of protection, it's like a summoning and containment circle. So you would summon something into the middle and contain it within the circle. Something just that might the, then turn into a frog. Or maybe the frog. Is the frog inside the circle? No, the he's frog outside the circle. Sitting next to the bookshelf. Right, which um, put him outside the circle, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would it put it outside the circle. Possible to go see if there's any books in that bookshelf without crossing the circle? Uh, give me an investigation check, but roll at a disadvantage, please. That would be a one. A natural one? Fabulous. A natural one. Okay. Um, so as you're kind of like looking at the book stand, trying to see if there's any books of any import, um, the frog ribbits loudly and and scares you. Um, you'll be at disadvantage for the next three checks. Do I, does it look like I could fit between the brazier and the wall as a small yes. folk? Yep. You could slip by it if you'd like then I would slip by and approach the bookshelf, mm-hmm. cautiously tossing the frog a chunk of ham. And peanut butter. And peanut I didn't butter. have any peanut butter handy. Um, give me an animal handling check, please. Seven. And despite tossing the ham, it is clear that Sprocket is very nervous. He doesn't seem to feel very comfortable approaching the frog. He does, however, have his tuning fork at the ready. You, uh, you throw ham at the frog. I toss um, ham to the frog. Okay, I'm not, be- it, it, I'm not, it, it I'm not throwing a slider or beaming it at him. Improvised weapon ham. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose you Wait, could do that. Does it have um, a does it have a bone in it? Was this, was it a side of ham? And so it kind of like flops in front of the frog, uh, and the frog looks at it. Uh, a smile tentatively. Begins to shape change, and <gasps> it stands up on its rear legs, and its torso becomes longer, and it. Front legs become clawed, and it picks up the ham and starts to eat it. And uh, its head, it gets long ears and uh, horn-like things. It grows a long tail, but kind of keeps its grayish-green pallor. And it, it very cautiously... Whew, I'm glad he chose to eat it. Its horns, they look almost like an ibis's horns. They're very long for its body. Um, they're quite tall, um, and they are... Um, they're almost like banded horns. So think of like um, like a mountain goat or something like that. It has like bands on the horns, but they're straight. Sprocket, if you'd like to know if you uh, know this creature, uh, give me um, give me a knowledge uh, check. So like a intelligence roll, because if you do well on this, those might that be one. Okay, <laughs> fabulous. Um, I need you to give me a wisdom save. Is it against magic? Yes. To be. My second roll is a nat 20 for the advantage roll there. Fabulous. Okay, so so nat 20, fabulous. Okay, cool. Um, so in your mind, you <laughs> That's see... That's opposite extremes. Uh, you see this creature kind of... Um, uh, it, it's as if, it's as if it's much, much bigger um, and has this, like, disgusted, twisted visage. Um, it is clearly trying to frighten you. Everybody else in the room, but you are, you are not frightened. You do not get frightened. You passed your check. Um, everybody else in the room, it, um, it goes invisible. Hmm. Swords are at the ready. Question, before it went invisible, Yes, sir. did it at all resemble the statue of the imp that Madrius was carrying before he'd left? Awesome, okay. awesome it's... question, Illidaz. Huzzah. No, but gain, ins- <laughs> gain inspiration. I would take him noting that he tried to frighten me, but I was not as an aggressive act, and I had a ready action if he acted hostily. Uh, the only thing it has done at this point is turn invisible. Okay. And, well, and try to frighten me, but that wasn't violent. Okay. I'll retain the ready to action. What? Don't like the ham? 
That's a perfectly legitimate supposition. It ate the ham. The ham was left behind with a, big bite, with a big bite market left out of it. Okay, so he took a nibble and dropped it. Wait, so if we can still see the ham, why can't we see the ham inside him, even though he's invisible? Less of a good question. <laughs> <laughs> can you lose I'll inspiration? You, I'll let you keep <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am letting... I don't know that it's invisible to them, though. Uh, the image faded, and now uh, you notice that it's not in the room. I'm going to cast out my dancing lights around myself, so if the creature approaches me, I'll be able to see it. Fabulous. Tell the others, if we want to know where it is, these little globes of light will help us. You might want to get close to me, unless you have a better idea. Tess, where are you right now? I was over investigating the books, and I can't ping you, but let's say I'm just to the left of that bookcase. I'm going to cast Divine Sense again. Uh, this same... This thing seemed pretty fiendish, so I'm going to try and use that to hopefully sense yeah. where it is in the room, roughly. Yep, absolutely. Uh, um, and I'm probably stood to the north of the brazier that's, uh, that Kess is stood underneath. What I would like you to do is uh, give me a contested... So you should have a... Um, like, if you were casting an offensive spell, you have, like, a spell modifier, like like a two-hit modifier. Like yeah, my, my type of yeah. Yep, I'm going to give you a, a contested roll using your Divine Sense against its spell. That is 20-something. 20 23. Awesome. Yes. Uh, so it's got a 10. Um, so... <laughs> so uh, when you cast Divine Sense, you actually break its invisibility uh, and see it nice. moving towards the door. Uh, is that my full action then taken? Yes. Yep. Cool. That's your action. Yep. Um, so let's go into initiative. Um, so Kilvarix, where are you standing, please? So I was standing outside the door peering in. If I see him coming towards the door, yep. I'm going to say, oh, no, you don't. And I'll yep. step inside and slam the door and lock it. Okay, so you are now inside the room, and you sl- and you close the door. Yes. Okay, fabulous. Um, you are certainly within melee range of this thing. Close stepping in and closing the door like that uh, would not take your full. It basically take your movement to do. Um, so you can still get your attack roll if you'd like. It hasn't been offensive yet, so I'm not going to necessarily attack it, but I'm going to prepare an action so that if it attacks me, I'm gonna smack. So I'm gonna breathe fire into my hand and say, "Don't." And be, have it hold up, ready to throw at him. Fabulous. Okay. Simeon. I'm going to go shoulder to shoulder with Kilvarex, blocking the door. So okay. there's two of us in the door. Yep. And my weapons will be readied, but not in an attacking posture. My action will be the double swing, should it do anything offensive. Yes. This thing attacks. I hope it knows what mayhem it's going to bring down on itself. <laughs> it's firmly aware at this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to do um, a couple of cartwheels over to join the others and get my three sections staff spinning, but ready to attack if it attacks. Cool. Rather than actually attacking. Okay. Uh, Illa does. Um, I kind of think probably more than anything, he's just got his arms folded looking down at this thing, almost like okay. you've caught someone doing something they shouldn't have been doing. Yeah. Um, just kind of very disappointedly like, you're outnumbered. We know exactly where you are. Like, I don't know if he knows that we, I guess he must know that we've seen him by now. Yep. I'm just like, yep. Come on. Totally. So yeah, it's definitely like, kind of like standing before, before the might of the party. Like, Oh, uh, so Sprocket? Sprocket is still in the bookshelf end of the room, kind of opposite side of where Kess was a minute okay. ago. 
Yeah, you're like keeping an eye on what's going on over there. He continues to the bookshelf to investigate, looking for a book or components to possibly add to the braziers uh, to reignite them and maybe trap him back in the circle. Uh, you don't find any books, um, and uh, the there are no um, there's no charcoal or anything like that in the in the bookcase either. So okay, on its turn, I'm going to uh, kill Varex. I need a wisdom save, please. Um, dirty cool. twenty. Yep. You see the same sort of uh, demonic vision that Sprocket saw of this of this thing, like bigger, scarier, and meaner, but are also not frightened. Everybody else in the room, um, this uh, the creature turns into a centipede uh, and begins uh, scurrying like up up the wall trying to find a way to get out of the door. I stay my hand no longer. Yep. Fire okay. launch. <laughs> Alright. Anybody who wants to attack this thing, roll. As long as one of you does not roll a one, you will kill it. Um, so just, do, just roll your attack. 13. You actually miss. <laughs> 15 you the first one. <laughs> yep. And uh, nine is the second one. All right. So you miss on your second one, but that's mostly because on the first one, you turn it into a fine green mist um, as you, as you slice through it. It basically just like, it explodes um, like a, like a pea pod, like it, like, um, and it smells like sulfurous on the inside, but yeah, you dispatch it. In Infernal, get the hints. To the plane of your foul existence. Cass says sorrowfully, turning into a centipede really was not a boss move. <laughs> Probably one of the first people in history to attack a centipede with a sword. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to burn two of my disadvantaged roles on doing just that, <laughs> or something rather like it. Sadly, the centipede was no more before I got there. <laughs> Well, all those fails we can go into look for work as exterminators. So there does not seem to be uh, anything else of interest in this room. Can we go back upstairs now? There's Let's another door down here. Hall. When we're done following the left wall. <laughs> Come. Right, so, Kilvarix, so, so, so. certainly you can follow the left wall in your mind and know where we're headed. Next. As I throw open the door as hard <laughs> as possible, trying to break it and walk out into the hall. <laughs> I see Simeon is following all the left walls. I pat you on the leg as I go by. Perhaps some tea, my friend. You need to calm down. I may follow and be devoted to Torm, but the will of the left wall has more power here. All right, so uh, Simeon, do you open the door? I do. The air here smells of astringent chemicals. Long wooden tables stretch across the room, laden with vials, beakers, and flasks, holding various liquids and powders. Books are stacked between the glassware and chemicals. Yellowed paper charts and blackboards full of complex formulas cover the walls. Beware of Iocane powder. <laughs> Step in. What did you say about Io? Alchemy. Fascinating. Proficient with alchemical supplies I was gonna and say, process. Yep. Uh, I'm going to start studying the room and what it was for. I need an intelligence check, please, at advantage. 22. You are able to determine that the main goal of the research here was to transmute various materials into gold. Uh, Judging by the numerous scorch marks and acid burns on the furniture, the laboratory was the scene of several spectacular failures. (laughs) That's usually the way. The crucibles like to explode. Cass is going to check out the books, looking for some more Mordenkainen books. Excellent. Uh, You find a book... 
with a single letter on the spine and a picture of Morden Kanan on the cover. The letter on the spine is a B, like Bob. The other thing, Sprocket, is that as you're looking at the formulas on the wall um, mm. and you start kind of looking around the room like, oh, I okay, Pyro. Yeah. Um, you are able to find several alchemical reagents um, that are quite valuable. I was actually going to say Sprocket, as he's doing this, is making mental notes of what he could gather afterwards to create his own yep. alchemical supplies kit that he takes uh, into his satchel. Yeah. You, you are able to find uh, probably about 50 gold point, gold pieces worth of alchemical supplies and two potions of healing. Fantastic. Ooh. I uh, point out the potions of healing to the party. Hey, look what I found. And I'm putting together some supplies for later, and I tuck those into my bag. We'll make note of where the uh, potions of healing are in case he or someone is unconscious at some point. Or someone. Yeah, right. I think <laughs> Who we thinks going to need these the most? Simeon's going to need them. Oh, that's why I'm taking note where they are. <laughs> you give one to each of the fighting types. Anybody else, anybody else investigating in the room? Uh, I'll take a look to see if there's anything of note that would help me. Roll me your investigation. Three. Three. Uh, yes. Nope. There's a, there's a lot of smart guy stuff in this room. Sprocket continues investigating onto the books and whatever else happens yeah. to be in the room. All right. Give, give me an investigation check, please, Sprocket. 21. Cool. Finally. Uh, you called for smart guys. You know, yep. He stepped forward. Uh, almost hidden in the legs of the tables are these carved, small, winged body shapes um, that look very much like... Well, give, give me an arcana check. Ooh, ooh. So, Sprocket, do you do you say anything when you see the winged feet, the wing, uh, winged figures? He was he was investigating. So, do you say anything, or do you just continue to look at them first? Um, well, I was seeing if I recognized them, which would be part of the initial thought process before speech, and I yep. and I arcaned for twenty five. Okay, cool, excellent. They are very very lifelike. Um, hmm. There's some interesting uh, carvings oh, on the legs. Almost to the point that they seem like they might be real, but just asleep. Your arcana skill is high enough that you realize that they are most likely figures that could be used for creating homunculi. But they are, but they are dormant. They are not homunculi. They are the source material that could be used for homunculi. And anybody now that sees them and has an arcana skill uh, over five uh, also sees the same thing. Where that's like, oh yeah, that's what you would use these for. Is there one shaped like an owl? Uh, there is not. Okay, just curious. Nope. Are they small enough to be removed and put into pouch? They are probably six or seven inches tall. So how big is your pouch? I have a satchel that's backpack sized. Yeah, and you, I mean, you did have a ham in there, so let's... Not a whole ham. Just enough ham. Just ham a bit of ham and, and a couple of ball-shaped <laughs> wads. Sure. You, you can take one and put it in uh, in your purse. In, in cool. Your Which, what animal figures do I have to choose from? Uh, you have an eagle. Uh, you have a sort of demonic-looking creature. You have a dragon and a pegasus. Okay. I'm going to have to go with the pegasus. You have a little pegasus statue. Cool. I stick it in my bag. Those are neat, guys. Anybody else uh, doing further investigation in this room? I'm investigating the walls. I don't think we've looked uh, at yet. Yep. Um, other than the uh, the blackboard with all of the alchemical stuff on it, uh, the walls are just stone. Um, they've got like scorch marks and, and acid burns. 
um you know like a but other than that uh nothing nothing extraordinary before we leave the room sprocket has to copy the formula down into his that would take a significant amount of time yeah and we all sit down and wait for him Kilvarix, you're concerned that this amount of time might render your mark at the front useless. If we stay here for this, my mark will go away. Let's go refresh the mark. We can come back later. How about we've you spent run upstairs and take care here. of it while I'm oh, fine? And I put my mark away. <laughs> you could just run upstairs real quick. You keep saying you want to go upstairs. I can go with you, Kilvarix. Part of four. I mean, we say that we have no time restraint, but we have no idea what's happening to um, our friend, Midrius. We did say time was different in here. Mm. Time is relative, especially when you're dealing with extra dimensional spaces. For all we know, we've only been gone for a mere matter of seconds. Or decades. I'm a scribe, and I have some ink and pens. Want me to help you copy? That would be fantastic if the party's willing to give me the chance to jot this down. But if not, I understand. Sometimes, you know, knowledge has to pay the price. So, Varg, why don't we go refresh your mark while they copy together and double their speed? Sounds like a good idea to me. Uh Uh-oh, we've split the party. (laughs) I'm going to stick with the crew doing the writing. Okay, fair enough. All right. Uh, Simeon and... Kill Varex. I need just give me a straight D20 roll. All right. I've got a new uh another piece of pairing for the cat. And got a 15. When you come up into uh that study where you had found the cat and with the secret passageway there, mm-hmm. um one of the chairs is missing. You swear that there were two chairs in this room. Now there's only one. I swear there was two, and now there's only one. Kilvaris is going to look at the paintings and see if maybe the chair has appeared in the paintings. Ooh, fabulous answer, but no. Is the door open to the hallway, or is it closed? Door is open to the hallway. I'm going to the cat. The cat is at the top of the stairs. When it sees you, uh, it, it instantly like runs up to you and starts nuzzling against you, uh, meowing for food. I give it the herring. It gladly takes the heron. Here, Onyx, what happened to the chair? <laughs> you act like I've been up here the whole time. I was with you, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Can you show me where the chair is? Um, it walks out the it walks out the door down the hallway. Which way? So it goes it goes out the door, takes a left. So and it walks past the staircase and then ducks into the the door immediately after the staircase. I'm gonna stand in front of that door. You should refresh your uh, your mark. <laughs> I go refresh my mark and say, yep. Corporal, we need the others before we continue. The the door to that room is slightly open, much like the the one for the room that you just came out of. I'm gonna put a little of the catnip on the floor out here. Here, get some more. Get some more. Three cats come out of the room. Oh, this is not good. Kilvaris is going to step back in towards the... Keeping his eye on Simeon so that he doesn't lose sight. Just go as far in as he can while keeping an eye on him. Hello! Is out there! Hello! Hello! Is somebody out there? Hello! I smell herring. Do you smell herring? 
I smell herring too. Hello, who's got herring? Hello, who's who's saying? Hello, uh, there are the two talking? voices from inside the room. No, uh, well, I mean, not that you. If they're cats talking, they're not the cats that are in the hallway. They they are coming from inside the room. Stopping mid yell, like as I'm about to close my mouth again, so it's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. I to get Simon's uh, attention and wave him back over. I'm gonna back up a little bit and try to wave the cats to come with. with me. Hello, he's out there with Aaron. Hello, Coriander, do you smell Aaron? I do, Cuban. Step into the uh, other library, so I'm not in the hall. Quietly closing the door and trying to see if there's a way to lock it from the inside. Uh, there is not a way to lock it, but you can certainly latch it. Latch it and look at Simeon and say, go get the others. I need a stealth check, please, to see if you can do that quietly. Oh. <laughs> stealth at disadvantage. For both of us. I got a 10. Uh, okay, fabulous. You think you closed it real quietly. Click! <laughs> That's a seven. You so also think that the door he closed, closed very... Yeah. I'm clotting across the hall. Chunk, 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 chunk. We did um, have to stand our two most stealthy people upstairs. You, you, guys, you guys both hear footsteps upstairs. Everyone who's downstairs. You guys are now in the room uh, with the door closed. Uh, downstairs, you guys hear um, somewhat heavy and hurried footsteps moving across the wooden floor above you. <laughs> yes, looks looks at the others and yeah. says, we better get up there. They sound um, like they're running away. Kess and Sprocket, I need, please, a investigation check to see if the sudden disturbance... Uh, causes you to make an error in your note-taking. And Kess, remember that this is at disadvantage. Oh, I remember. My lower one was a 13. You're fine. Okay. And that's two down and one to go. (laughs) All right. What do you guys downstairs wish to do? Well, I've suggested that we should run upstairs. What do you (sighs) think, Sprocket? I don't even trust them to go freaking refresh a mark. Fine, fine. We'll come back. And I close my notebook. We got a lot of it. We did, we did, but how hard is it to walk upstairs? I suggest we go upstairs really quietly. Okay, so are you trying to go up the stairs stealthily? Very yeah, I'll, stealthily. I'll try to sneak. Ooh, I stealth, did good, 18. Stealth checks from the three of you, por favor. At disadvantage. Absolutely. You do have to make it with disadvantage if you've got chain armor on, don't you? I think so, too, because yeah. you're wearing yeah. chainmail. Yeah. yeah. Having having run around in chainmail, yes. <laughs> yes. My lower one was a 16. Okay. And I'm That's out of disadvantage. A very quiet four. Gilbarks <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Simeon, you hear a very quiet person clearly wearing chainmail coming up. <laughs> <laughs> and there's quite Maybe we should have sent him to check on the wall. <laughs> and there's quite a voice as my seven can muster. They're coming! <laughs> <laughs> Only Kess is already there, so quietly that you didn't even hear her. All right. The party is reunited, and it feels so good. (laughs) And you are all in the room. The room was with the door closed. Um, And you definitely hear two uh, uh, small voices. I think they went in here. They're not very quiet. I agree with you, human. Who are they? I don't know, Coriander. Hmm. Have we tried greeting them? 
I'm about to. Wait. <laughs> is, is, is that what you're about to do? What do you plan on doing? Showing them that we will not tolerate threat. Wait, wait. Be friendly spices. There's no need to be threatening yet. I'm not. I'm being defensive. I walk over to the door and throw it open and say, hello, friends. And I do, I guess I just look at the floor, assuming that they're going to be small. <laughs> uh, so uh, two winged homunculi are floating out there outside the door. And they say, oh, a visitor. And they fly into the room uh, and land on the table. Uh, and they bow deeply before you all. How could we be of assistance to our honored guests? Cooking? Cleaning? Mending your clothes? You got a bump on the head. We're actually looking for some books. I know there's a lot here, but we're looking for some quite specific ones. Books? We can't touch books. How about something to get rid of the scar? Uh, Yeah, come come to the kitchen. Come to the kitchen. We'll make you something yummy. It'll help you feel better. And to be clear, when you say you're going to make us something yummy, you're not talking about cooking using us. You're using... You're talking about cooking things for us. We would do no harm to honored guests. Which way's the kitchen? Right next door. Oh. We'll show you. Um, and they, they flap off uh, and leave the room. Oh, fine. Oh, we need to check out that room anyway. Hello, too. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys like tea? We've got some scrumptious tea. Tea? Oh, we love tea. It's from Simeon's family. You have a little box. You have gifts? Oh, gifts! Um, so they fly into the next room. Um, they slip through. So the door is kind of ajar again, about six or eight inches. Um, and they kind of like slip through the door. Right. Before you open the door, Kilvarix is going to put his hand on your shoulder and say, are you <laughs> sure we don't have to go up the stairs because they're to the left? Oh. Ouch. Dare we defy the will of the left wall? But we have guides now, so it's no longer a labyrinth. Oh, is that all? I'm trying to figure out the rules. I'm making them up as we go. Definitely, Illidaz gets out a notebook and adds, rule number two, if there are guides, no need to follow the left wall. Okay, these are the, two, these are the so far, the two commandments of the following the left wall religion. I'm sure it's only going to get more developed from it. Tess is already peeping through. Uh, so so you, you open the door, Simi? Yes. Uh, Weapons are away, by the way. The uh, the aromas of cooking permeate the kitchen. Uh, a large iron stove takes up one wall, and the rest of the room is filled with large tables and racks lined with hanging pots, pans, and cooking utensils. Everything is immaculately clean. The two homunculi fly over to uh, the rack with the bowls, um, and then back over to the stove and start scooping uh, a delicious-smelling stew. Uh into one of the bowls. Um, and in fact, both of them, uh, both of them do it. And they, so, and it seems like they're in like some sort of a competition to try to see who can bring the bowl of stew to Simeon first. I step out of the way from sloshing hot liquid. <laughs> I will stand fast and see who gets there first. I'm going to compliment the homunculi on their A1 professional kitchen. Oh, thank you very much. Honored guest, you you flatter us. Thank you. They start singing them out. They one of them one of them brings the bowl to you, Simeon, and uh, the other one uh, somewhat dejectedly said, "Oh, do, would anybody else like stool?" Just reaches out a hand and says, "Yes, please." 
Absolutely. And so the, uh, the flying homunculi hands it to you. Um, and the stew, do you guys try it? Yeah. My grandfather, Sprocketophilus, actually said, never take food from strange magical creatures when you aren't certain who made them. Um, the so stew I'm is going to abstain. Delicious. The stew's delicious. Um, one Guess of them flies for Simeon to try it first. One Simeon them, uh, does try it. Yep. Perfect. And then, and then he feels the rest of the bump. Does it feel like it's healing? No, just you're just eating soup. It doesn't do anything. They fly over to to the um, uh, to like a cutting board, um, and they get uh, uh, they tear off some bread, and they fly that over to you also. And the bread is uh, is fresh and uh, fragrant. Um, maybe a little bit of uh, of thyme baked into the bread. Um, you know. Mm. Mm. This is like my Aunt Josephine's uh, bread. Mm. If only there were some fresh churned butter. So, I'll, so I'll just eat. <laughs> Alex is going to watch him eating, standing up, and, and say, is there not a dining hall or a room somewhere around here? A possibly sure. more appropriate place? Uh, certainly. Come with us. And they fly through, uh, through the door to the right. Oh. More and more rule breaking. Do you follow? Them? It is a guide. Yeah. I look around the kitchen first before going into the next room. Okay. Are there um, any cookbooks, for example? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As I walk in, I will lean, tilt my head back. Um, recipe books, and wink, and then um, walk in after them. Yep. No books in the room at all. It did say that they can't touch them. Maybe they just know all the recipes off by heart. Anything um, else of crazy interest? Uh, no. For the most part, it looks like a pretty standard kitchen. Cool. Um, yep. Um, except you do see um, kind of you do see several cats kind of moving in and out of uh, of the kitchen and the dining room that they have now flown into. Um, Kess so. offers a cat a little piece of meat out of the stew. Several mm. cats. They all look the same. Nope, all look different. And so, how the many are we up to now? Uh, I mean, you you have counted probably no fewer than five or six. Okay. Sprocket begins keeping count. Large windows form the entirety of one wall. Um, so again, that's that wall off to the right-hand side there. Looking out on three plant beds filled with vegetation. Within the room, a crystal chandelier hangs above the table made of dark wood. Uh, six matching wooden chairs with scarlet cushions surround the table. And a seventh chair sits alone in the far corner. That the chair that was in the small room. Uh, give me a investigation check, please. Eleven. No, it looks like the chairs in here. Whilst I'm sure that uh, Simeon is gushing over the uh, plant beds that he can see in the room to the east, uh, I wanted to ask the two homunculi. What's it? Coriander and cumin. Correct. Yeah. Um, so you guys clean the whole mansion. Uh, we mostly cook. But we can, there you are many things we can do. And you've been across the whole house. Do, do you know things about the house, is what I'm asking? Mm, we know some things. Okay. We came across this interesting thing uh, down in the basement, and I was wondering if you knew what it was. Some kind of shape-changing demon thing? Mm, no, we never go down basement. Ba- that's bad place. How many rooms with books are there in this mansion? Well, there's... There are there are many rooms with some books, and there's one room with a lot of books. 
just as I suspected. Thank you. Something keeps building piles of books in the in that room, too. They don't always stay on their shelves, and so sometimes we have to go in and put the books back where they belong. I thought you couldn't touch them. There is a gray area between cleaning and touching. And you got to skirt that line, do you? <laughs> mm, exactly. So, Kilvarix is going to be watching uh, Simeon, and if he sees no adverse reaction after a couple minutes, he's going to pat his belly and say, yeah, I think I'll take some of that. Okay. I'm going to uh, join Kilvarix in having some of the stew as well. The homunculi will fly back into the kitchen and pour yourselves a bowl and bring you some bread after they hand you the bowl. Being uh, quite small, I'm sharing mine with the cats. Okay. Absolutely well, fabulous. If we're eating, and Spock will sit at the table. Yep. Who is sitting where? Aha. Uh-huh. Spock sits at the head of the table without even thinking. I'm sitting on the window side. Kovarix is going to look at the chairs and see which one looks the more sturdy and sit <laughs> in that one. Give me an investigation check. <laughs> Fifteen. Uh, the chairs all look identical, an identical sturdiness. Okay. So whichever one has the most elbow room, probably the uh, other head then, huh? Yeah, the other head. Yep, that's yeah. fine. Uh, we'll sit off to the corner. Fabulous. Um, so as you sit in it, the chair uh, begins to envelop around you. Um, <laughs> however, as the, uh, as, the, as the mimic attacks, it uh, misses you and uh, <laughs> damages itself on the way by. Like it bites its own leg accidentally. And you will get the first attack uh, and then we will be in rounds. Um, I will drop my soup, draw my scimitars, and stab it twice. Okay, attack. First one's going to be an 11, an 8. It caught you by surprise. Like it tried to bite your butt. Like what? Like that's, you know, <laughs> it's just after the ham. Um, it, uh, so, yes, that, that, that's, that's fine. Uh, <laughs> kill Varix. Uh, in the ham hop! You are, you are at the far side of the room. Uh, you can certainly, with your movement, get there. It's about 20 feet away. And nobody uh, sat in any of these chairs, so. So I'm going to jump up on top of the, top of the table. Yep. And then breathe into my, fire into my hand, <laughs> and reach back and hurl it at that. Cheers. Okay, attack roll. A natural one. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay. How much damage does that do? Four. Sprocket, you take four points of damage. Ooh. This is fire, right? Yep, it is. As a uh, as his reaction, Sprocket raises his right arm and hides behind it like he did before. <laughs> and this time, from the concentric circles in the middle of this bracer, it expands outward into a uh, blue buckler shield of energy absorbs part of it, giving me resistance to the damage. So I only take Sweet. half. That's cool. And Excellent. You see it kind of travel that circuit across my shoulders, and my hammer that's in my other hand begins to glow with that same energy. Fabulous. Cool. That's excellent. Uh, Simeon, you were... Uh, that's right. You were there, um, so you're now right there. Um, attack. The homunculi, by the way, have left the room because now they're scared. I am going to step so I'm not in the way of anybody, but still maintaining my position. Like that? Like, yeah, I'm not going to step out of the way, but I'm going to step to the side so other people can attack okay. so I'm not Fair blocking. Yep, so and I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the double attack. Okay. 12. It'll be an 8. Okay, your, your 12 hits. Okay. Roll your and that's going to be 
Uh, eight. Thank, slash you. Eight. Thank you. Okay, fabulous. Yes. All you right. Were so I'm using um... this side of the room over here. Um, yeah. You saw Kilvarix uh, jump up on the table, throw a fireball at Sprocket. So I'm going to leap. I'm going to hand my bowl of soup down to the cats on the floor. Yep. Fabulous. I'm going to leap up onto the table and run across using black dragon technique with my um, three-section staff, which is I'm holding one section and swinging the other two for Fabulous. maximum flail damage. Okay. And I'm going to get close enough to land that right on the mimic and do an overhand swing. Ka-cha! Fabulous. Love it. After all that, that was only an 11 to hit. Well, <laughs> I, can I still do a... Can I still kick this thing? Yep, yeah, you can still you do, still do your bonus attack, yep. All right, so what kind of kick will we do? Uh, let's do a, um, a heel stomp. So as I'm coming down, I'm also stomping yep. on him. Love it. Also, an incredibly stinky roll. And I assume a 9 does not hit since an 11 Correct. didn't. Correct. A 9 does not hit since an 11 did not. Correct. Uh, okay. I, where were you? Yeah. I, I hadn't had a chance to sit down yet. I was also going to check out this corner chair. I'm probably okay. still by the door at this point. Okay. Um, or, like, at least stood by the table. Yep, fair I, for a few seconds, briefly consider using hot stew as a weapon, but then decide the best of it and putting it down. <laughs> um, and I guess for the first time since we've arrived, I draw my longsword and try and run through the um, the mimic. Okay, Titus. So, yep, let's go ahead and uh, roll your attack. Oh, that's only an eight. Uh, that will not hit. Uh, Sprocket. Okay, so... As a small race from yep. my chair, can I move forward enough to make an attack without endangering my teammates? Yeah, I mean you're you're that's fine. Okay, then I'll close to make an attack. It, it it's all it's all pretty tight in here, but you guys are a lot of you are small, so since uh, it just got charged up, I got to swing my hammer because yep. otherwise it'll be gone. So, uh, but an eight will miss. Uh, eight will indeed miss. Okay, uh, now the mimic gets to go. Simeon, it thought that you were delicious, and it will uh, it will hit like one flange out at you uh, with a ten. Will that hit? Ten will not hit. Okay, uh, and then it will try to uh, bite Sprocket uh, with a seventeen. That'll hit. And oh, and Sprocket came out from behind his glowy shield with his eyebrows okay. and his whiskers smoking. I love it. Um, take uh, take eight piercing damage. Uh, Sprocket's and... poor frail, frail little body falls to the ground. Oh no! Oh, no. Ah. Cool. I mean, not cool, but that's you know. I've just so realized that we're five. Can I we're die? Five. Do I fall, or am I like sticking out of his mouth and he's mowing on? Me? He's he's like gnawing on your leg right now. So. I was going to say, I just realized we're five reasonably combat proficient people fighting a chair, and the chair is winning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you yeah. roll twos. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah, this is, that, uh, you know, like, I love you all, and that was an epically bad round for you guys, so that was... That was it was uh, amazingly bad. Yeah, yeah. At least no one was, rolled a one, though. That was, uh, right, yeah. All right, we're at the top of round two. Why would you put that out in the universe, my friend? Yeah. So, Why would so, you say that out loud? Spr- Sprocket has Sprocket has fallen. Kilvarix, it is your turn. Kilvarix is going to grasp his circle of multicolors, point it at uh, Sprocket, and say, "Be well," and cast healing words. 
for seven hit points. Nice. Sweet. Excellent. Thanks. Fabulous. Sprocket, you are now like awake and you can stand up next round. Which uh actually it is uh not your turn. It's Simeon's turn. Simeon will say Torm has teeth and Io heals. I like this group. And I say, <laughs> there we go. 18. Excellent. I hit. That's going to be nice. That's going to be 10 on the damage from the first hit. I like it. And your second nice. hit. Nice. That's more like it. Second hit, 20. Excellent. A hit. And the damage, that's going to be a six. Cass, your attack. All right. So there's no room to swing my staff here. So I'm going to grab both ends and use them as clubs. Oh, I love it. Ooh. Right? Otherwise, I'd be endangering everyone else. So that's a little more like it. That is uh, 18 to hit. I hit. All right. The damage on that one is nine. Nicely done. And then I am going to do a straight, just pile driver front kick into this thing. Again, 18 to hit. Yep. And that would be six damage. It does. I am just going to, having made myself look an absolute fool by running at it and missing, just going to pull my sword just like straight up into the air and kind of bring it straight down onto the seat yep. of the um, chair. I love it. The, the classic move, right? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and that is a dirty uh, 20. Excellent. Uh, roll your damage. Really good 12. Oh, excellent. Oh, so uh, you <laughs> defeat the thing. So please narrate narrate how you dispatch the, uh, the chair. I guess. That had been defeating you so soundly for a round. Since my, I guess I've kind of been kind of composed up until now, this is the first thing that's actually made me quite furious. I very angrily bring it down, and I guess I don't really know what I'm expecting to come out of it. I'm, I guess in my head I'm expecting, like, fluff, but probably there's a lot of blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, so, I'm very quietly surprised as blood splatters up onto my sword and onto me as uh, <laughs> the, this chair gets fully impaled. Yeah. Uh, if, if it wasn't so spoilerific, I would uh, I would say something from uh, from Falcon and Winter Soldier, but uh, we'll just we'll leave it at that. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh god, yeah, I just know what you're talking. Has about. everyone seen it? Everyone, <laughs> anyway, I know what you're on about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent, fabulous. So, uh, so Illidaz cleaves this thing into blood sports. Uh, uh, Probably everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. <laughs> All of us are in <laughs> yeah. range. Yep, exactly. Yeah, except for except for Kilvarix. So. No more danger. The uh, the, imp, the the homunculi fly back in. We had to kill your chair. <laughs> it's your chair. We just had to kill it. Okay. Why did the chair attack you? It wasn't really a chair. It liked my ham hock. It was. It was a. It was a chair. Um, like one with one. teeth. While they are discussing this, Kilvarix is going to go over probably to Ildaz because he's the most dirty and kind of wave his hands over. As he waves his hands over, he's cleaning the gore off of him. You see his hands rolling with arcane power. I, I, I kind of like hold up my amulet. I'm like, oh, look, amulet friends, right? Amulet buddies? Huh? That's a good um, trick. One of the homunculi fly over. That's really handy. Rocket gets in line. <laughs> right behind. <laughs> um, while pulling out his little cube and he tap and he taps it and he's like look up the tree we found the guy stay in the back stay in the back <laughs> <laughs> not the tank <laughs> <laughs> 
Simeon takes a, a cloth out, wipes the swords down, places those back, starts cleaning off whatever he can from his armor. Okay. Yes, and anyone that wants his help, Kavarx will will using prestidigitation clean whatever needs to be cleaned. That is That's fantastic. I will line up for that. You have no idea how long it takes to get blood out of this armor when it's not clean magically. So I can't say this. I can't thank you enough. <laughs> right after his turn, uh, Sprocket steps just to the side and starts taking notes as he watches the incantation and you as you clean other people. Yeah. Fabulous. This definitely gets in line too, seeing as there's no laundry anywhere near. Technically, we might just not have found the laundry room yet. <laughs> I think there's a, a greenhouse or something next door. Probably check it out in case there's anything up. Based on our luck, a plant's going to eat us. I'm going to turn left. Yeah, it's the leftmost door. We have guides now. Garden. We thank you for the meal. Uh, 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 Yeah, of course. Uh, Anything else that we can do? Would you like to come along, or do you have other things you need to do? Uh, We should we should stay here and clean the mess. Good call. Coriander, go get the broom. That might not go well. We, sli- we should. <laughs> oh, we should, the broom! I just, I just step out, out onto the, the, room. Room. <laughs> <laughs> step out, step out. the Let's be elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, about your broom. You now find yourselves at the base of the stairs. Tess leaps up the stairs. Okay, hey, I'm following afterwards. Absolutely. Walk. Um, and on the left wall. Yep. Um, Allowing the others left. to slump behind her. Tuning yeah. fork in one hand. Hammer in the other, on high alert, since we've been jumped by so many weird things since we came in here. We should definitely shoot that suit of armor before we get to the top of the stairs. <laughs> so, right, as you're moving up the stairs, uh, landing at the top of the stairs is occupied by a suit of armor holding a long sword, a long sword point down. Uh, it sits on a wooden stand in front of a large window. Simeon, you would notice that the armor is clearly only decorative, and the helmet but the helmet and the sword are genuine items of good quality. And they, How if cool I can it? recognize the make of the weapon, like what lineage, like is it human-made, dwarven-made, elven-made? Uh, it's it's a human-made sword. It's not of any great import or anything. It's just, it's it's more functional than the suit of armor. Okay. In the um, perfect stance to stab a chair. Yeah, right, exactly. There are two doorways uh, in uh, off of this hallway um, other than the... Uh, so we go to the one on the left. I was going to say, do you really have to rest? <laughs> <laughs> I pause for a minute, concentrating. Uh, Sprocket pauses for a minute, concentrating before we get to the landing. Okay. Um, which is basically how he casts Detect Magic. And if cool. something magic okay. nearby him, he's inspecting the suit of armor in particular. Um, yep. But yeah, I'm if, up front and I'm, I'm waiting until you do this. Yeah, um, you don't de- you don't determine anything magical. Okay, so my ears don't I mean, twitch. Other than the fact that you guys are in a magical pocket realm that was created from so, so <laughs> one of those things that both everything is magical and nothing nothing is unusually magical. Like it's I don't about, notice anything beyond the environment. About baseline, yeah. Yep. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you move. I was swearing that suit of armor was about to. Well, looks safe enough. So, you open the door to the left. All right. So, you open the door. Uh, Most of the room is taken up by long wooden tables that are covered with glass vessels and books. Cabinets with glass doors line the walls, and they contain all manner of specimens, 
Just below the ceiling in the middle of the room, colorful globes circle each other in an intricate dance. The far wall is almost completely covered by a map of the night sky with a golden sunburst in the center above the, above a closed door. Do the colored uh, light it- globes seem to be a light source or yes. are they doing their own thing following their own pattern and not illuminating the room? Nope, they're definitely illuminating the room, but the okay. the light across the room is uh, is u- uniform enough. It's not like it's casting weird shadows or anything like that. But they are definitely they definitely seem to be the light source. Do they look as though they would be stars in a star pattern that matches the night sky map, kind of like out of position, like uh, directional or anything like that? Mm, no. Okay. Um, looking at the map, is there anything we can tell that might? Um, I might perceive as being um, a clue or in, or uh, pointing a direction or giving some additional information about the room within the door uh, beyond. It is definitely a star map, uh, but that's all that you can tell right now. And it seems to be, as far as you can tell, uh, it is an accurate star map for the area. So it's not, uh, there's nothing um, missing or anything like that. Um, there are, uh, the five most prominent stars are rendered on the map as blazing silver suns, like sun, sun kind of like the starburst that's above it, right? Except the, the starbursts are silver, uh, on the map. Mm-hmm. And you recognize those to be the five most prominent stars in the sky. Should we enter the next room? Um, oh. moving around this room without touching anything, giving everything a solid once over. Didn't Kess say that they were looking at some of the books? Mm-hmm. Right, and she already found uh, the tea bubble book. Oh, yes, yeah, yep. of course. Yep. Yeah, so I say let's go into this left room. Okay. Got it. Opening it. The door opens into a dark, open space, offering a view of the starry firmament from the night sky. So you are in a planetarium. Five telescopes mounted on bronze plates point toward the constellations above. In the middle of the space, a one-foot diameter sphere of clear crystal sits in a circular brass stand. And how many pattern? How many stars were on the uh, map? Five as well, I think. So probably we want to try and point these telescopes towards the stars that we saw on the map. That would seem logical. Um, As you step into the room... uh, the room, the floor does not feel like the wood that you guys have been walking on the entire time. Uh, it is springy um, and turf-like. Uh, it compresses underfoot. Um, when you uh, when you and when you walk in, the door closes behind you, but doesn't lock. It just cl- it closes sort of gently, um, and all of a sudden, it feels as if you are outside. Hmm. And looking up, can we see? The sky. Yep, it is. It is as if you are standing on a on a grassy knoll, um, with the exception that anything further away than about twenty feet uh, seems shadowy and indistinct. Right. I reach down and touch the ground and see what I and and in an attempt to feel the ground. Yeah, it feels like grass. Yep. Now that the door shut. Does it look like grass or does it still look like a wooden floor? Uh, the nope. The it it looks like you are outside. Mm-hmm. Now that the door now that the door is shut, it looks like you are outside. the The other exception is that the stars in the sky blaze with like an almost fierce light. It's like somebody has turned up the power on the stars uh, in this in this area. Right. I guess I get to 
maybe angling one of the telescopes towards yep. um, one of the bright stars that we saw on the map. Yep. Um, yeah, you find that it's uh, it's very easy to change the orientation of the telescopes. They are exceptionally well balanced. You can't like take them off their stands or anything like that. Um, but they they very they move uh, very deftly and smoothly on their stands. Rocket spends spends a few minutes examining the mechanism. Cool. Um, yeah, it's just exceptionally well balanced. To make any notes about its craftsmanship that I think I could incorporate into another design and then start trying yeah. to adjust a telescope as well. Great. Fabulous. Uh, is there any response? I guess if I'm able to distinguish the stars from the map before, is there any response once I line up one of the telescopes with one of the yeah, stars? Sure. Give me uh, give me an intelligence check, please, to see if you can line them up with the stars on the map. Uh, so, like, yeah. uh, um, knowledge or any other similar skill would be fine. Perception would probably be fine. Like, I don't know. Okay. Let's see. Do I have... Okay. I'm not great at really either, but I got an 18, so that's... Um, yeah. Yeah, so 19, if you're yeah. allowing me to use perception. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's, you are able to, to kind of, uh, with the first telescope that you're looking for based on where it is and kind of everything like that, you're able to figure out which of the stars from the previous map to point it to. Cool. Do we see any response as I line it up? No response when you just do the first one. Okay. I got the second one with a 13. Okay. Perfect. Not sure which one I was on, but 16. I'm going to join the telescope lining again yep. with another one. And that would be uh, Dirty 21. Fabulous. Uh, Kilvarex, are you, uh, you yep. going to do the last one? When okay. I see them all doing that, I'm going to try to grab the last one, and I rolled a natural 20. <laughs> Excellent. So very successful. I love it. Uh, and with that, uh, once you've got the telescopes all pointing at the right things, or a hidden door on the side opens, slides forward. The room is bare except for a bookshelf covered in chains against one wall. A plain wooden bench and a reading desk is built into the shelves, and a book with the bust of a mage on its cover sits on the desk. Cast lets out a squeal and says, ooh, chained books. So what do you do when the door opens? You are about ten feet away from the far wall at this point. I'm forward and begin investigating. About the chains. The chains... Are they chaining so the books in place, or are they chaining the bookshelf? The chains are affixing the books to the bookshelf. Or maybe preventing yeah. them from being carried from the room? Right. The, the, the three shelves are, uh, are filled with books bound in iron covers, which are attached to chains that secure them to the shelves. To so we can't shelves. take them. Yep. Anybody with an arcana skill over, uh, you know, six or seven, uh, does anybody not have an arcana skill? I do not have Arcana. I do. Okay. Anybody... Mine's plus six. Plus six? Okay. Mine's only plus two. Okay. So, Sprocket, you know that in... I know a lot about chain books. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is... But my this... Arcana skill is insufficient. <laughs> um, a chained library would be where a wizard of power kept their most trusted books. Hmm. Hmm. This must have been her library. What was her name again? Fistandia. Fistandia. Yes, yes, that's the one. And we read the authors of the books that are uh, chained. Look for yeah. any with a letter on the cover. 
uh well there's the on the Finally. on the table in front is the book with uh with the bust of Morgan Canyon on the cover. I check out the letter on it, it's fine. Uh give me an investigation check because it's turned a little a little weird. So that would be a dirty twenty. Fabulous. Yep. You find the book has the letter L. Like Larry. My theory continues to hold. Are there any names on the books that are chained up that we immediately jump out at us? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is like, if you wanted to see a library of books written by the top 10 greatest arcanist minds of all of Faerun, they would be in this library. So your books by Morden Kanan, your books by Fistandia herself, your, you know, they are uh, full. Elminster, you name it. All the greatest uh, arcanist minds are here. Well, these will clearly belong to the library in the end, but as we'll be the ones that have the word, perhaps we can negotiate for some learning. Is the uh, book that's on the desk, is that chained as well? It is not chained. Does it look like any of these Morton Caden books that we're looking for, the seven we're looking for, does it look like any of them are chained? No, you don't, you don't see any books on the bookshelf that only have a single letter on the binding. Okay. This is the only one in the room. Sprocket would like to leaf through one of the metal-bound books. Okay. Uh, Sprocket, when he does so, will be attacked. <laughs> uh, books but, could beat his curiosity. He can will, help it. Will miss. As you move into the room to rifle through the books, um, one of the chains lashes out at you, uh, but it uh, it misses. Badly, in fact. So we're now in rounds. Kilvrax. You are all still outside the door except for Sprocket at this point. Um, but the bookcase has animated. Uh, Kilvarix is going to grumble under his breath, run Stop in, fire. grab the book, and then try to snatch up Sprocket and run back out the door. Oh, okay, cool. So uh, let us see. So the book is obviously no problem. Um, Sprocket, uh, Kilvarix is trying to grapple you. So Kilvarix, make a strength check, please. Are I'm going to roll an insight to see if I am able to determine his please, plan. And thank you. 13 is my strength check. Okay. Sprocket, are you, uh, uh, make your insight check, please. With a 22, I'm pretty sure I've figured out what he's doing, and I grip <laughs> his forearm and climb aboard. Awesome. Cool. So you're able to grab the book, uh, Kilvirus. He's a Sprocket. Good idea. Enough. You can pick him up, but the, the bookcase will get an attack of opportunity on you. So uh, it's only a 13. Oh, armor class is a 16 without my shield. Cool. Awesome. All right. So then never mind. Uh, and you are now out of the range of uh, of the bookcase. But it is now, you can tell that it is like a swirling mass of chains and books uh, that seems angry. Whew. Thanks, that man. Says. As I set you down, let's do you, me. I couldn't resist the books. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. That's <laughs> um, a smart move. No point fighting a chain. The floor shakes as the bookcase moves five feet closer. Let's go. <laughs> I close the door. <laughs> yeah. We're going. There, so there is there is no door. Oh damn. This was a, this was a secret. It's kind of like a secret <laughs> passageway that opened when you solved the puzzle in the previous room. Can we mess with the telescopes? Yeah. Once we're all out of the space, let's just spin one of the telescopes. Yep. And then the secret passage closes. And let's exit the room. I don't think we need to go back in there. I'll go. I'll. I'll. I'll move to the door. Make sure it's open, and usher everybody out. My plan to be last. As we're kind of leaving that room, I'm kind of looking at this crystal ball in the center. Did it appear yeah. like it had 
it was doing anything for us, or was it just creating this enchantment? Yeah, it it didn't look like it was doing anything specifically. So reasoning that it's creating the enchantment is reasonable. Okay. Um, it is also firmly attached to, to where it is. If you try to steal it. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where do you go next? There's another doorway off of the hallway with the stairs. I believe the rule of left makes us go there. Yeah, it does. Okay. I think it's the Anybody last else? place to go so far, too. Anybody I'm else not sure. I can go back else? and count. Yeah, come on, let's go. Open and enter. Okay. Oh, classic. <laughs> yep. So again, a short hallway with a door at the end and a door off the right. We know the rules. Fifth, <laughs> uh, the bedroom. Yep. So the door uh, is slightly ajar. Um, and again, as you have reasoned before, sometimes cats move in and out of the rooms. Um, this is an open and airy bedroom. A canopied bed with rich scarlet curtains occupies one corner. A jug and a wash basin stand on top of a chest of drawers. And a fluffy black cat is napping on a scarlet easy chair. One wall is covered with a large painting of a gold dragon perched heroically on a mountaintop. When you enter the room, the cat jumps down from the chair and stretches. Uh, and moves over to Simeon and starts pawing at his satchel. He uh, takes up some more tea. Okay. And, and the last of his herring. Okay. It oh. Gratefully uh, in- takes the herring and, uh, and rolls around in the tea a little bit. Tossles the cat's uh, top of the cat's head a little bit and then starts looking to see if there's any. Fabulous. Give me a, give me a quick uh, animal handling check, please. So that's going to be a 17, I think. Fabulous. Up. Fabulous. Okay. Yep, 17. Okay. So seeing as there are always books in my bed, I'm going to see if there's any books in or under the bed. Absolutely. Uh, so as you start to rifle through uh, the sheets and everything, you find a tome with Morden Kanan's face on the front of it and uh, the letter E on its spine. While she's looking through the bed, I'm going to come in and look at the picture of the gold dragon, see if there's anything weird about it. Gently trace my talons over the shape of the dragon, almost like I may be trying to mar it up a little bit. Yep. Uh, nope. It seems uh, seems like a normal uh, a normal picture of a dragon. Doesn't seem to be any. I'm going to accidentally slip and have a nail go through it. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oops. Oh, my, I'm oh. so sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> I spray a line of foam along it, casting mending, and it heals itself. Are there any socks hidden in the bed along with books? No, there, there are no, there are no socks in the, in the bed. They are, there is a bureau, uh, like a chest of drawers, um, and they are very neatly organized where like, you know, socks and, and undergarments are in one drawer and shirts are in another and uh, trousers and skirts are in a third, but they're very neatly organized. How fashionable does Fistandia seem? 200, 300 years ago, she was probably very fashionable. Nowadays, oh, so it's so out of style. Okay, all right. Well, we don't need to take anything from that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't steal the wizard's clothing. Jeez. Move on to the next room. This is a trophy room. Each corner of this pleasant parlor has a scarlet armchair and a reading table piled high with books. A cheery fire burns in the fireplace. Uh, a pair of swords sits in a rack above the fireplace, and the heads of various animals are mounted on the walls. I'm going to look to the books to the left, look to keeping the one eye on the chair. <laughs> check the chair first. <laughs> yeah, always check these chairs. 
Um, oh, bitch. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, unlike the other books that you have found for the most part in uh, in the mansion, the books are all poetry or heroic fiction. Um, no, uh, no scholarly tomes in uh, in this room. I, I looked at the books to see what they were, and then I check out the animals. Yep. Or the first one that I come to, going along the left wall. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, eventually, as you look through the books, you see all the books in this room kind of fit that same uh, that same uh, bill, except for one. Uh, you find a book with a single letter Y. Good, on our guess, I think. The as far as the animal heads, um, there's the head of a stag, of a wolf, of a a periton, of a hellhound, and a black dragon wormling. Um, but they're also, but they're purely decorative. There is, um, they are totally taxidermied um, and no longer of any consequence. You said stag, wolf, periton, hellhound, and black dragon wormling. Simeon, so when you find the book with the Y on it, what do you do? Do you try to take it out of its stack or do you keep it where it is? Or I take it out stack, of the stack. Take it out of the stack. Fabulous. No, you don't get attacked by books, which is good. Um, however, a long sword above the fireplace. So everybody else in the room, it looks like it falls off until it pivots in midair and swings at you uh, for with a nine, which I don't believe will hit you. No, it will not. Nope. Um, so, it, uh, so you hear it sort of clang off of your armor um, and is now floating in midair. And the other one is also now floating in the room and moving its way across the room. Is it heading for Simeon or just randomly? The first one headed towards Simeon. The other one is heading towards you guys by the front door. If Simeon had had time to make it all the way to the back corner searching as he went, I would assume that a couple of us may have stepped through the door. Are we all still in the hallway? Definitely would be looking around these animal heads. Okay. So, uh, uh, Kilvarix, there is a sword uh, flying at you. Well, I'm going to grab my shield off of my back and ready. Well, it's a sword, huh? Uh, ready, ready my spear, I guess. Yep. Okay. Uh, it is within range. And I'm going to poke at it with my spear. And roll your attack. Mm, 24. It's a hit. Seven points. They're going to go absolutely last because I rolled a one for initiative. So, uh, <laughs> Simeon, uh, what about the one that's attacking you? It's going to catch two scimitars. Go ahead and try it. Uh, first one's going to be a 22 dirty. That will hit. And the second one will be 23 dirty. That's also a hit. So give me your damage. All right. And that's going to be seven on the first hit, seven on the second hit. Fabulous. Uh, okay. Excellent. Uh, I will rotate to the back side with my back to the wall so that I, I'm not blocking anybody from attacking the web. Uh, after Simeon is Kess. Kess is um, uh, probably uh, about as far as the first pair of trophies already into the room mm-hmm. and uh, pulls the, the three section staff up and, and is doing a uh, double flying butterfly, which is like a figure eight form Yep. in front of herself, carefully peeping it out of the way of the little orange dragon um, to try <laughs> to knock one of the swords to the ground, right? Just Fabulous. disable it by, by trapping it. I love it. In one, of, in one of the ends. So swings at the sword. 
Okay. Roll your attack. Even though that hit the other dice, I think I should keep the bad roll. Okay. Which would give us a 10 to hit. A 10 will not hit. All right. Now I'm going to follow up with a less elegant crescent kick. Less elegant always seems to do the job, though, because that gives me a dirty 25 to hit. Fabulous. Excellent. That will hit. Then let's see what that gives me for damage. And that would be maximum damage, nine damage. Excellent. Uh, Which one were you attacking? The one closer to Simeon or the one closer to the door? Uh, The one that is threatening Simeon. Fabulous. That one uh, clangs to the ground uh, unceremoniously. Lots more ceremony in my my little battle pattern there. After, After you kick it out of the air... Fabulously. Okay, Illidaz. Yeah, I'm going to come to Kilvarax's aid and this one that's closest to the door and do a very terrible attack of nine. No, that will not hit. It's fine. Move on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from the hallway, apparently, Sprocket leans around the doorframe and Kilvarax and takes (laughs) his tuning fork wand, taps it on the bars on his right bracer, and it starts to resonate with electric energy and sparks. He drags it down those two bars towards his wrist, and as it grows, the sp- as it goes, the sparking grows into a little electric bolt that he flings at one of the swords. Excellent. Roll your attack, please. <laughs> For a ton. Uh, the uh, the lightning bolt uh, harmlessly hits the wall behind it. Uh, they finally get to go now, uh, but there's only one left. So, um, Kilvrax, you hit this one, so it's going to swing at you. It's only a ten. Nope. Okay. Armor class is eighteen. That is that is its attack. So, Kilvarax, it is now your turn. Uh, so I am going to try to smack it out of the air with my spear. Trying okay. to, like, hit it so that it yep. beds itself down point first into the wood and the floor it. and gets stuck I there. love it. I love it. Do it up. And I got a 15 total. Nope, that will miss. <laughs> it's hard to hit a sword with a spear. Yep. Uh, so I'm going one. again. I'm going to cro- cross the room. Yep. And uh, go for the double hit. I love it. Roll it up. First is a 10, which is going to miss. And the second is a 24, I think, 30. And that damage is going to be five. Okay. Uh, that one also clangs to the ground. And neither of them are moving anymore. Nice. Your steel was found wanting. Should steal ourselves against your puns. <laughs> Uh, you, you can certainly try, sir. You can certainly try. <laughs> so we've been through almost, I, I think we've been through every room, and yet we still only have six books. We have seven. Do we actually, do we have all seven? We have all seven. Right, cool. Seven. I guess I must have missed one. Okay, so do you retreat back to the uh, to the front door? Is that? I think it's like the thing to do at this point. That's what the left wall calls for. <laughs> 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 yes. So you go to the front door. Dude, that's a very circuitous way back. Can we just go to the front door? <laughs> Rocket does not follow Simeon down the hallway. We're time. waiting down there for five minutes before Simeon finally shows up. Yeah. Yeah, you... Simeon's fingertips on his left hand are yeah. like so worn down by now. Right. Um, uh, so... Before we go, I want to call to uh, that first cat and see if I can get it to come. Uh, how do you call to the cat? I will say, I'll go, Onyx. And uh, the last box of tea that I have, I will take out, and hopefully that will be the first and only cat that comes along with. When you you call to it, seven cats come out of the kitchen or downstairs towards you. 
they understand that you're the one with Harry. I'm out yes. of Harry. All I have is <laughs> all I have is tea. Oh, Romy, I, I have, have dried meat. I oh. can offer them some meat. Fabulous. Fabulous. And I can say, "Where's the other three? Come on, up, kitty, kitty." <laughs> I think we should take all the kid cats, cats out with us. I don't know. They've lived in here for hundreds of years just fine. Perhaps they're better off where they are. Maybe they'd be happier with company. Do I find that first cat that I was looking for? It's one of the seven, sure. Oh, okay. what, what? What's your animal handling, though? Uh, it came up as a 10. Okay. They're not happy with you, but you've been pretty good to them, so they're going to let you go for this time. You come downstairs, Sprocket. I heard you say the word. What was the word again? Liberty. Liberty. As you say the word liberty... liberty. Liberty, liberty. <laughs> the front doors of the mansion open. Uh, the blue miasma portal uh, exists behind it. Uh, does anybody not step through? I'm going to step through, but I'm going to call for the, or Onyx and see if the cat comes with me. You know what? You like critted your, your animal handling, I think, the first time that you met him. So, yes, Onyx comes with you, even though he's when, mad that you didn't give him any herring. I've, I'll get more. Okay. I'm going to step through holding the dried meat in my hand, and mm-hmm. as many cats as want to might follow. Um, so Onyx will follow Simeon. The other cats are very, very skittish about moving through the doorway. So they will. They are very nervous about this. Um, does anybody not walk through the doorway? Not immediately. Oh. Oh. Onyx walks through, and as he does, he withdraws his mark from the, from the side. Okay, fair enough. Um, Bye, Cor- okay. Coriander and um, um, what was human. human? Human. Lovely to meet you. Soup was wonderful. Beware of the chairs. You're too kind. And the chains. Um, you said you're 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 holding you're holding back, right? For a moment, Sprocket pauses at well, for more than a moment, Sprocket pauses at the door. Seems to have a little internal war. Sighs heavily, pulls the little Pegasus figurine out. Mm-hmm. takes a minute to study it, draws a diagram in his notebook, sets it on the floor, and then goes through the door. He doesn't take anything with him. Uh, so as you walk through the doors and find yourself back in the study room, Ma- uh, Matrix's body, you find his body sprawled across the floor. He has obviously been in some sort of a struggle. Rush forward and see if he's alive. Yeah. You okay? Uh, What's up? Uh, looking around the room, can we see uh, any... Has he been, like, cut open? Does it look like he's been attacked by, like, a blade weapon? He definitely looks like he's been attacked, but not by something very big. Start scanning I, um... the room. Uh, give me an investigation check, Rocket. 18. You start looking around the room, and the room still doesn't have very much in it. It's got, you know, the table with the book that's open in it, and as you are looking uh, at Matrius's body, you notice that the pouch on his belt that he had put the imp statue in is empty. The statue. Uh, you know what I'm going to say. I'm going to cast divine sense to see if I can see yep. where this happens. <laughs> well, don't you're about to get your question answered. As you're looking at that, uh, you get attacked. I, um, the imp reappears. It is on your back and tries to bite the back of your neck. Oh, no. Which of us? Uh, yeah, who? Uh, that was uh, for, for you, Sprocket, the one that was doing the investigating. Yep. Bill uh, does jumped in there. I mean, he's <laughs> stepping on like the human shield. I was if he's willing to cast divine sense, then yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Now you know where it is, Ildaz, so there you go. Um, uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a modified 20 for you, Sprocket. Did Yes. Oh, gods, yes. Uh, for four points of damage. Uh, and it's piercing damage. And it is now... Uh, oh, sorry, I need a, a constitution save also, please. 
Okay. And my constitution saving throw is 18. Fabulous. Um, uh, so it, it has bitten on, it is, uh, but it, do, it does not poison you. Um, ah, my girl, glitter gold, get off of me! Bonus! Kill Varix. Sprocket has just been bitten by what uh, looked like an imp statue and now is clearly an imp. I'm going to try and skewer him with my spear. Okay. Uh, cool. Is it a... It's not a magical spear. It's just a regular spear? Yep. Fabulous. You're going lousy for initiative tonight. 17. Uh, Will hit. For a whopping five. Uh, okay, and it has uh, uh, resistance to piercing, so it will take two. Budgeting's coming on. Okie dokie. Uh, who is next? Uh, Simeon. Your friend um, has been bitten by an imp. With my first attack, I will say, I'm actually going to do my bonus attack first. And in Infernal, I will say, I see you, and you shall meet your end. <laughs> That's a 10 to hit. That's not going to work. 10 to hit will not work. Then with my actual attack, I will say <laughs> celestial to the pits you shall be returned. Uh, it it uh, responds in infernal. See you there. And that's going to be a 23. Fabulous. That's a hit. And the damage looks like it's going to be a 10. Slashing. Slashing. Okay. Excellent. Uh Kess. So uh, I'm going to swing my staff uh, in a coiling dragon swing, which is for one it. end, to try to not only hit the imp, but wrap it up and immobilize it and see if this it. works. That would be a 23 to hit. That will succeed. And that is uh, 10 damage. Fabulous. Uh, you don't get the chance to grapple it because when you do your damage, it uh, in a puff of... Uh, of uh, of brimstone, um, it disappears. And I say to the air, "Sorry, guy, you're in the wrong place." <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. There we go. You have you have killed the imp. Uh, you have this made your infected. way out of Fistandia's mansion. Uh, and we have and a dead sage and a problem. Did I, yeah? Now we're alone in a room with a dead, <laughs> <laughs> with a dead sage. Yep. And a blighted village and yeah. a giant fire. And that is the end of Fistandia's magnificent mansion, or the joy of extra-dimensional spaces. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at ttjourneys, and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our side quest series where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.